raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. I mean, that's the guy I had wanted to get. I was happy whenever we chose it. When I seen that we got all that shit, I'm good now. So. I mean, it's just like a fresh start, man. Like, having a young guy come in to be here for a long time is just like something new. Whether whether it's your best season or your worst season, um, you're not entitled to any seat in any building. So um, I think that that's, that's an answer that goes through any player's mind, whether he's, you know, a, a, a five, six-year starter or, you know, a guy that's just trying to make the team. Um, it was the same um, mindset that I had whenever I was in New England trying to make a, a roster whenever the first day I got here, September 3rd, 2017. Uh, I just want to just keep working and, and being me and uh, just be better for this organization. The last voice you heard was Kenny Moore, Colts cornerback. You also heard from Grover Stewart talking about the QB situation for Indy. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan today. You know what, Jimmy? I've got two things on my mind right now, Okay. I've got QBs on the brain, and momentarily, we're going to talk about the best and worst NFL divisions in terms of their quarterback situation in 2023. I think that's fantastic when you go division by division. You know what else is on my brain? My rapidly regressing health status. Can you hear it right now, Jimmy? What is going on with me? I can feel it. From uh, I can feel it. I can hear it. From one broadcaster to another, <laughs> you stressed it a little bit yesterday. You felt like you you were getting a little bit stuffy, and and now the effects have set in. I, I I can feel your pain in that regard. You know what's funny? I thought about this right before the show. It's not even an impressive story. You know what I mean? Where I was just thinking, it could be the polar opposite, where it's like, yeah, me and the guys, we were jamming last night. You know, we played in. Uh, Albuquerque, there was this Victoria's Secret function and the band that kind of was like a two-in-one thing. So it was a long night. You know, it was a long night. Yeah. <laughs> Me, I'm like, yeah, I didn't sleep going to and from Disney World. You know, had early wake-up <laughs> call to catch a flight. That's where I'm at right now, Jimmy. Yeah, look, I I feel bad for anybody when they're, when they're dealing with something that affects what they are doing for work. But like last week... I had the same thing and I'm on the back end of it, but it was because, you know, I was calling some high school sports in cold or semi-cold conditions and probably wasn't dressed as well as I should have been. So partially my fault, but also, like you said, not quite as impressive as as, as rock band uh, out there until two in the morning, but still was on the grind versus, hey, there was a baby in row C that probably had the sniffles and now I'm uh, now I'm dealing with it here the next day. I, I just, now that I think about this, Jimmy, now that I'm aging over here, I'm basically three times the age as you, pretty much. And, uh, you know, my injuries are less imp- impressive. My health status is less impressive. You know, injuries used to be, oh yeah, you know, I got clipped and tore my ACL, that sort of thing. Now it's, I slept wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's pathetic what's going on right now. We joke about it in sports that Father Time is undefeated, happens quicker for us mortals, comes for everybody, and yeah, they uh, all of a sudden, yeah, I don't know, I was just trying to carry some some mulch in the other day, and the Man. back was, yeah, it's, it's, it goes quick. Terrible. Quick. I do like the positivity, the optimism from Grover Stewart and Kenny Moore. You heard that in the intro that Eddie put together. Shout out Eddie Garrison with us today. And you know the first guy I thought of, we go back in the hot tub time machine for this one, Jimmy, is I thought of Alan Fanica. He was an offensive lineman with the Steelers. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a great player out of LSU. 
And when, what was it, Tommy Maddox went down? I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Maddox went down and Big Ben Roethlisberger, a Daisy Fresh rookie, he was the guy who came in. And it was early. It might have been week two, week one. And he was the starter the rest of the season. And I'll never forget Alan Fanica being interviewed at his locker. And he was, I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, yeah, you know, I'd be lying to you if I was fired up about this situation here. But, but Big Ben came in there and did his thing. And so... I just I like the optimism and the positivity where you get Anthony Richardson fourth overall and at least on wax, you know, on the record, you don't have veterans going, you know, I, I mean, I hope I hope the learning curve isn't too long here and he can start making plays sooner than later. But I'm a vet here. We got to go. I'm on a timeline here. I do like that. It's overwhelmingly positive what you've heard from these vets. And that's no surprise to me. I mean, we've stressed it time and time again. I get it. I know hope culture, all those things. They don't win football games. They can. Like Sometimes people overlook that, but it, it's a, a piece of the equation. It's not what really goes down in the trenches on a week-to-week basis when the season starts, but at the same time, when you have a pivot, both in the quarterback sense and in the philosophical sense of what's going to happen on that side of the ball, it is nice, whether it's an offensive player or in that case, two defensive players, that they are giving the support of what is going on and are optimistic versus being detractors towards the young quarterback that's eventually going to be, you would hope, the face of this franchise. Well, I also think one of these things that makes sports so interesting, Jimmy, is that the timelines are so different from player to player. Where Let's take a couple examples over here, where if you look at Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, good examples. They're veteran guys. They've been around for a while here. And it's like a, a girl whose biological clock is ticking, you know? A girl who's 22 is in a different boat than a girl who's 35 and wants kids, right? It's just different. Mm-hmm. And so it works like that with NFL veterans. If you're in year eight, year nine, that's different than being in year three chasing a championship. So you take that into account. And you also think about a guy like, uh, uh, think about Gardner Minshew, who the Colts bring in here. And he knows the situation. He knows that he's going to get a chance to start most likely, but... He's not going to start for too long because the hopeful face of the franchise is Anthony Richardson. He understands that. But it doesn't make it any easier if in week four they're like, you know what, we're going to go with the kid. You know, So it's, it's always fascinating to me how the veterans handle things because the timelines for each of those individual players ranges. It varies so much. What I am most intrigued about on the roster, and given almost any interview he's ever done, it's going to be exactly what we think it's going to be, which will be positive. It'll turn a corner. It'll be fine. But before the draft was made, when people would would pose the question in one or two interviews to DeForest Buckner, another player that's on that same path, you know, he brushed it aside, doesn't like the word rebuild. And he referenced, you know, his time already kind of going through that early on in his career in San Francisco and realizing he's 29 years old. And that that's not a word that sounds good to him, to your overall idea here of veterans being frustrated when they're thinking they're on a contending team maybe two years ago and now they are in a rebuild how will he and the rest of the staff follow suit because he is one of the leaders on this team you've already seen two other leaders in Grover Stewart and Kenny Moore how does DeForest Buckner respond when the struggles occur inevitably with Mm -hmm. this team I think it will be positive but he's already mentioned I don't blame him a rebuild at 29 is way different than a rebuild at 24. Yep. Totally different. 100% different. By the way, be honest with me, Jimmy. If you're grading my voice on a scale from 1 to 10, what are we looking at here? 
five and a half, six. <laughs> now, here's my question. Here's what I'm wondering. Two things. Your golden pipes make my voice sound worse, <laughs> right? That, that's the case. And number two is, is this like, you ever go into a room and it smells awful? And you just stay in the room and you just kind of get used to it? You don't even smell like what was awful in the first place? Sure. Does it work the same way with voices? You know what I mean? Like, in the next hour... Are you just going to get used to how scratchy and awful it sounds and doesn't sound as bad anymore? I don't know if it'll happen today, but if this is the voice that you're carrying tomorrow, yes, I'll probably be adapted to it. And then by the time you inevitably recover the next time our paths cross, I'll be like, oh, hey, look at that. He's back. He's back, back. back in prime form. But I don't know if it'll be enough within today's show just because you were in studio here yesterday, uh-huh. felt like everything was was at the top of the charts, and now here we are clearly with the effects of, of of travel and whatever else impacting you today. So. Travel is beating me down over here, but it's all good. I'll recover here. Brian Noe and Jimmy Cook with you here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I think this is a good exercise, Jay Cook. If we're looking at the divisions in the NFL in terms of their quarterback situation just in 2023, okay, we go division by division over here. Let's start with the worst because... The AFC South is not in the running for the best, okay? <laughs> They're not in the running of the best quarterback division in the NFL in the year of our Lord 2023, okay? They're not in the mix as far as that goes. They are in the mix, however, Jay Cook, to be the worst quarterback division top to bottom. In my mind, it comes down to this. I think it's between the AFC South and the NFC South. Mm-hmm. If you look at the QBs top to bottom, you look at the AFC South, Trevor Lawrence, very good season last year. Then you get the Ryan Tannehill, Will Levis, two-headed monster, C.J. Stroud, and then Gardner Minshew, Anthony Richardson. That's what you're looking at in the AFC South. In the NFC South, you've got Derek Carr, new Saints quarterback, Bryce Young, rookie with the Panthers, Desmond Ritter with the Falcons, who started some games last year, and <laughs> Baker Mayfield with Tampa. That, that's what you look at, AFC South versus NFC South. In my mind, those two divisions are at the bottom. Who would you say is at the very bottom between those two? I would say the South, just for recency bias and NFL reps there, I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence right now over any quarterback in the South, and that's enough to win the day. From Sorry, I, I, I need to clarify. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. That's my fault. Rookie, I need to clarify that for the audience. <laughs> I would take Trevor Lawrence of the AFC South over anybody yep. within the NFC South itself, and because the rest of the quarterbacks of those two divisions are either mixed bags inexperienced or downright awful you have to decide between the top heaviness who's carrying the day it's trevor lawrence for me better than anybody in the nfc side i'm going with the nfc south is the worst i'm gonna go top to bottom here on you jay cook and this is strictly for 2023 if we're looking at these two divisions and saying over the course of the next five years who do you expect more from i expect more from the afc south but if it's just 2023 if it's just this year I'm looking at three rookies in the AFC South in Will the Thrill Levis, C.J. Stroud, who has hardly any weapons around him compared to what he had at Ohio State, and Anthony Richardson, who's a total project. You know, I know that Baker Mayfield is not lighting the NFL world on fire, but he's had a lot of NFL reps, and to have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin as your two main targets, you could do a whole lot worse than that. So if you ask me, are you expecting more from Baker Mayfield or any of these rookies in the AFC South in 2023, it's Baker Mayfield. Who am I expecting more from? Is it Bryce Young 
in his division with his weapons? Or is it C.J. Stroud in his division without great weapons and being not, not being accustomed to that whatsoever? I'm expecting more from Bryce Young initially. So I think the AFC South for 2023, top to bottom, all things considered, I would say it's dead last. I would say it's at the bottom. I still don't know which Baker we're going to get next year, despite the weapons, which would lead me to take the upside of Stroud or Richardson or in the, uh, for the sake of argument, let's just say the rookies across the board are going to start week one because we still don't know if Levis is going to beat out Tannehill and we still don't know if Richardson is going to beat out Minshew or if either of those organizations will give that opportunity to said rookies. But just for this exercise, let's say the rookies beat it out. I am going to expect Anthony Richardson to play better than Desmond Ritter, probably not better than Baker Mayfield. It would be nice to say better than Bryce Young, but I just don't. It's a tough one to simulate. But so I, I'm going to go with the chip on Baker's shoulder. Is it really still there? Desmond Ritter, the Falcons, to my knowledge, and maybe I'm missing something here because they didn't do it in the draft. Was there a big acquisition for them to finally figure out what they're doing at wide receiver in the no, offseason? No, but they do have Drake London and. Um, Kyle uh, Pitts is still there. So Kyle Pitts is still yeah. there. So that helps. They traded for Johnu Smith too. Okay. Yeah, and and you look at Bijan Robinson, the one-two combo with Tyler Algier. That that's a really good one-two running back combo. And think about what Bijan can do catching the ball out of the backfield. I think that helps Desmond Ritter out quite a bit. I, I would take both of those things into account. They signed Mac Holland and Scotty Miller. Those are okay. for what it's worth. Yeah. The the common hassle names that is. Of, of Scotty Miller and Matt Collins. I think I think that the rookies of Levis, Richardson, and Stroud, I guess in this exercise they're starting week one, will have better seasons than Ritter, Mayfield, and Carr. So I'm going to say that the NFC South Ooh. still for 2023 is the worst division. Wow. Say that sentence again. So the rookies in the AFC South, you we'll think ha- we'll they have better, better years than Carr, Carr. Ritter, and Mayfield. And Lawrence will have a better oh. year than Young, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say the South, albeit this isn't a roaring endorsement because we get to the best of the best across the board, best of the best of the best, Freddie Garrison over there. Uh, when we when we get over to that portion of who's good, the South for both these divisions, like last year, gonna look pretty putrid. So I understand I'm comparing manure and manure, but <laughs> uh, the AFC South smells slightly better in my mind by the end of the 2023 season. <sighs> Man, I, you know what? If you had swapped a couple of QBs in the South, if you had said, I don't know, Trevor Lawrence, you expect him to be better than Derek Carr. I agree with that. Well, I think he'll be better than all four. That's why I didn't want to use him as a pure trump card there. Gotcha. But yeah, if you say the three rookies in the AFC South versus the non-Derek Carr NFC South quarterbacks, yeah, you know, maybe. Maybe. I don't see it, but I think that's closer. Mm-hmm. But if you have Derek Carr... With Chris Alave and maybe even Michael Thomas, he's going to put up better numbers than any of those rookies. I'm not even close. Are you evaluating this from a performance standpoint of the quarterbacks, or are you evaluating this as a win-loss standpoint with the teams? Because I think this can be an interesting debate depending on which route you're taking this. I'm taking it more as individual as possible. Like Team results would obviously factor in 
to yeah, a degree. Yeah. I was yeah. going off numbers for but the quarterback. You, yeah. If you look at, I mean, go two years ago where Trevor Lawrence, he was brutal. His numbers were like, what, 12 touchdowns, 17 picks? Almost every rookie quarterback two years ago had more interceptions than touchdowns. It's like Mac Jones was the outlier. You got to remember there's also some AFC West biased from me. And, you know, I'm not... The Raiders are the Raiders, but with Carr right now, if it wasn't a massive leap or even a career year for him with Devontae Adams out there, uh, uh, that's not enough to sell me that because the receiving core he has is a little bit better overall. Assuming Michael Thomas finally puts together another healthy season, I, uh, that, that's, that's why I have pushback there because I've, I've seen so many disappointments or hiccups through his time in the AFC that... He had a generational wide receiver last year. Why is it going to be different in New Orleans? Well, it's all about the bar to me. Yeah. You know, if uh, I hear what you're saying, but if the bar is statistically being better than the AFC South rookie quarterbacks, yeah. like, he's I mean, gonna... he could sleepwalk his way into 3,500 <laughs> yards. Like, yeah, I, I, there's no denying that. He's going to pole vault over that bar. <laughs> if you're talking about Derek Carr among, like, the league leaders in stats, QB-wise, I doubt he's going to be out th- up there, but... If you're comparing him to the rooks in the AFC South, yeah, he's going to distance himself from them. those guys. How about this? I, I love the nicknames. I was just double-checking of Trevor Lawrence. His rookie season, 12 touchdowns, 17 picks. But the nicknames on Pro Football Reference, sometimes I've never heard these nicknames ever in my life. Oh, that's the best part of Pro Football Reference. I love it. Have you ever heard this? For Jags quarterback Trevor Lawrence, the prince who was promised. That's what they have is his nickname. <laughs> no, I've not. I've not heard that. <laughs> my uh, my girlfriend calls him Lord Farquaad. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one for Brady that I absolutely love. Tom Brady's here. They have a few that you've heard of. TB12, mm-hmm. right? The GOAT. You've heard of that, obviously. Have you ever heard Tom Brady referred to as the Pharaoh? Because I haven't. Can't say I can't say I have. That's one of his top nicknames on Pro Football Reference. Somehow. I have no idea how <laughs> We'll get our research team on that. Figure out uh, where the Pharaoh came from. Okay, so how about the best quarterback division in the NFL in 2023, Jay Cook? I think, and maybe you differ, I think it comes down to the AFC East and the AFC West. Do you see it that way? So I saw it AFC West clearing away last year, and I was dead wrong because Russell Wilson regressed. Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, meh. Yeah. And, and, and Herbert was fine, but once again, he had another year where there were just as many high-level great games there were. Uh, okay, we're really not out of this growing pain phase yet. So I will remove AFC West biased, and I will say I agree with you on the AFC East, but for me, the other coin is the AFC North. Mm. Because Lamar Jackson, whether it... Stays healthy or not is a whole different story, mm-hmm. but probably has his best receiving core he's had since he's been in Baltimore. Deshaun Watson, is he actually going to live up to that money? Three, four years ago, looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and Joe Burrow's Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett and Mac Jones, they cancel each other out. What, what are you going to do there? So that, I would say AFC East versus AFC North for me. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Ooh, I, I disagree here. What do you what think? What do you say, Eddie? I like the AFC North. You I like think the AFC North. I think there's going to be a, a, a step forward with Kenny Pickett in his second year. I mean, he looked really good, actually, down the stretch late last year. And Mac Jones, as we always talk about, who does he have to catch the football? Like, Kenny Pickett has Pat Fryermuth. They have uh, Najee Harris, Deontay Washington. Uh, they just traded for Allen Robinson. and then George Pickens. George yeah, Pickens. and George Pickens. Like, yeah. 
He's got some. He's got a supporting cast around him, and I, I would just expect a second year leap from Kenny Pickett, and that's why I would take uh, the North over the over the East. Interesting. To me, it comes down to AFC East oh, oh, against the NF, against the AFC West, East versus West in the AFC. And listen, we'll make it a three division uh, breakdown here with the AFC North. Yeah, the. I mean, look, if Deshaun Watson reverts back to his old form when you saw him on the field just doing work for the Houston Texans. Like, yeah, that could be enough to put the division over the top uh, collectively. But yeah, when you have the injury concerns with uh, Lamar, you also have injury concerns with Tua, obviously. Kenny Pickett, I mean, yeah, he started playing better down the stretch, but all things considered... More interceptions than touchdowns. Does he make a big leap in year two? I don't see anything close to a Trevor Lawrence-type year two leap. I actually think Mac Jones, even though he doesn't have great weapons, will put up better numbers. Um, I just don't I don't know about Russell Wilson. I cannot believe he was so inept last season. I, I still don't believe it. He was freaking brutal. And to have Russell Wilson and Jimmy G, who's just a guy, I can't put the AFC West, even though Mahomes is sensational, over the AFC East, I think when you add Rodgers to Josh Allen and Tua Tungavailoa, that one, two, three, all those guys are MVP candidates, like legitimately. And when you have Mac Jones bringing up the caboose over there, I think that's the best top to bottom in the NFL in 23. I have a hard time arguing it because I've already given you my thoughts on the West. I agree with you on the Jimmy G, just a guy thing and... I mean, look, maybe it really was just coaching and the way they utilize Russell Wilson and perhaps Sean Payton is able to get him back to what the Broncos paid high dollar for and, you know, what John Elway was kind of dismissed for or left on his own accord, whatever happened there. You know, that, that swan song move for him. Maybe they're able to salvage that as an organization. But I would go back again if you're matching up quarterback to quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, probably the best of our three division race here. Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones but they still would nullify each other. Russell Wilson's down year compared with Lamar Jackson and to his injury history, probably balance each other out there. So then you have to go to the top two in the divisions, which is Rodgers, Allen, Burrow, Watson, Mahomes, and Herbert. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Pat's carrying a lot of the weight in the AFC West. Burrow's doing the same in the North. Rodgers and Allen, you could argue, at least what the Jets are hoping for with real weapons around him are two tandems that, really can't be competed with. So I would go with the AFC East as well. Yeah, and look, you could do the bottom two as well. Isn't it crazy we're having this discussion where, let's say the bottom two quarterbacks in each of those three divisions, you would, and listen, there might be some disagreement here. I personally would have Deshaun Watson over Lamar Jackson. Some would disagree with that. Um, but however you put it, it's either Tua and Mac Jones, um, either Deshaun, Lamar, and Kenny Pickett, and also bottom two in the AFC West, Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I'm still stunned we're talking about Russell Wilson being in the bottom two because um, I didn't expect the gap to be as wide as it is. Uh, Justin Herbert's a very good quarterback, but we're talking a, a big, big, big gap between Mahomes, Herbert, and Wilson, Garoppolo right there. It's wild to even say that, but it, it makes sense right now. I mean, and, and from your numbers exercise too, like was Wilson bad? Absolutely. But he still yeah. passed for 3,500 yards in 15 games. And that again, that doesn't matter in the win-loss column of things because, again, they were 4-11. and 11. But is it reasonable to expect a bounce back from him? Yeah. 
with Sean Payton there. I mean, I yeah. think it's reasonable, but you have to practice. You have to practice some type of caution with it because what's a what's a bounce back year? Twenty twenty one completed sixty four percent of his passes. They went six and eight as a team. Ooh. He passed for thirty one hundred yards, four hundred less than he did in Denver last year. But his passer rating was way better. The picks were way down. Had twenty five touchdowns. There was no talk of. Will Russell Wilson throw more touchdown passes than bathrooms he has in his house? That wasn't a thing that was happening in 2021. So is it a reasonable for a bounce back for him? Yes, but enough that I'm willing to put him over Herbert or Mahomes? No. Yeah. Which is a bigger question in your mind, by the way? Is it Russell Wilson playing good football again, or is it Tua and the health situation? That's a great question. It's probably it's probably Tua and the health because, I mean, you hear it in soccer and other high-contact sports all the time. At some point, another concussion is what does you in in terms of not like your overall like quality of life, but just, okay, yeah, this is probably it. Like, if I take any more of these, I'm really going to be putting myself in danger. Wilson, you could argue there's a reason for optimism there, and he wasn't really a massive, massive injury liability last year. For Tua, you need to see consistency not necessarily as much in his game because he looked good when he's played, but in his body of work from a health standpoint, and that's somewhat out of his control. So two is probably the bigger question mark for me. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, and it's wild to even say that. Think about that. How injury-prone Tua was last year. He missed five games, had all those concussions, and it's a legitimate question. Do you have more concerns about Tua's health or Russell Wilson's play? being what we're accustomed to and actually good. Like, it's crazy that you have to stop and think about that, but you do. That's how bad Russell Wilson was last season. All right, we got a lot to do here, Jimmy. Got a lot to do. I'm going to take some meds here off the air. You might hear a a completely different me here in a few minutes. You might be like, what did you do? How how did you even... It it seems like a different person right here. Can I I, uh, interest you in another swap NFL draft-wise. Some food for thought around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'll probably know he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I took some cough medicine. Jimmy, do I sound dreamy six. now? It's up to a six? Six. Got you up. I like. Got you up a point. That's what I like to hear. I like how Eddie Garrison is just uh, letting the music play a little bit longer today. To, uh, you know, conserve the voice constraints <laughs> over here. You know what I mean? Just trying to help you out any way you can. <laughs> Very nice. Can we get uh, some Slayer, maybe some Lamb of God in the rotation there, uh, Eddie? Possibly? I, I worry you know, if, if I'm feeling... We'll see if I'm feeling nice today. I worry if you yell Slayer one time that oh. it's going to kill the voice for the rest of the day. So maybe not a good idea to, to tempt you with, with that kind of action. Maybe it's some Dave well Matthews good. again. I don't know. I didn't, get, <laughs> I didn't get the reaction I wanted to yesterday. <laughs> I was in a very pleasant. I was almost gleeful yesterday. It was great to see you guys in person. So, uh, yeah, I even shook off some DMB trolling from you, Eddie. That was giddy. <laughs> giddy yesterday. How about this? So, look. 
this is the way too early mock draft, but just food for sh- for thought over here. Mm-hmm. Okay, Todd McShay, he's got his 2024 NFL mock draft out. I can already feel some of the listeners rolling their eyes like, what are we doing right now? But but just take it into account for a second here. Who knows how it's actually going to shake out? But what he has is the Colts finishing with the third pick. Okay, our guy Dane Brugler had the same thing. They do it based on odds. And you would you would figure that the Colts on off a of four twelve and one season, they have some of the longest odds to have a really good year. So whether they finish with the third pick or not remains to be seen. But for the sake of this exercise, Todd McShay has the Colts with the third overall pick. What he has is them trading down. So he's got the Washington Commanders moving up to number three. The Commanders take quarterback Drake May. The Colts, they go down to pick six. They take Georgia tight end Brock Bowers. Now, here's the thing, Jimmy. If that actually did happen, would you look, and I know there's a lot of prognosticating with this you know, response of yours, would you look <laughs> at Washington trading with the Colts to get Drake May and say, I'd kind of rather have Drake May right now? Do you think you would say that next year? You're right. There is a lot of prognosticating because so a much lot. so much goes into what happened with Anthony Richardson. Did they sit him a year? Did he actually play? Since I don't have that luxury and Todd McShay doesn't either, I would play it in my mind that he had a satisfactory growth year where they have confidence in what they made and the next move would be to go get weapons. If they're picking that high, chances are the commanders be willing to give up a fair amount of either assets, players, or some combination of the two to go up to get Drake May because the hype that is around him and Caleb Williams. And then they would go ahead and in this mock take a tight end, which I have been asking for Mm -hmm. in some capacity over the last couple of weeks, along with more help in the wide receiver room, because I feel like even though they're sometimes overrated, if you have a do-it-all tight end, that can go a long way for a quarterback of any age, whether it's a safety valve, whether it's a reliable makeup of a wide receiver one at the tight end position. So I would have no problem with that playing out how it did because the big caveat is I would think Anthony Richardson showed something to believe in him moving forward. I'll tell you this, Jimmy. I'll be as fair as I can possibly be. I would be crazy jealous. That's the way I would describe it. I would be crazy jealous that Washington ended up via a trade with the Colts getting Drake May well, I think will be a precise NFL passer. That's one of the things I love with passers in the NFL. How precise are you? How consistent are you? And I see Drake May being way more precise and way more consistent than Anthony Richardson. We'll see how it plays out. Who knows? But that's what I see. And so I'm not faulting the Colts here, and we've made this point very clear, Jimmy, is you don't know what type of season the Colts will have this, this next year. So if you didn't go with the QB at number four overall – who knows? Maybe they mess around, win a few more games than expected. The price tag to move up to get your quarterback next year would be crazy high. So I'm not faulting the Colts for going QB with the unknown of what their 23 season is going to be and what pick they would have in 24, right? But if I'm being honest with you, I would be all sorts of jealous if the commanders end up with Drake May. I go May all day. May all day compared to Anthony Richardson is what I would tell you. I've heard this from a couple of Colts fans and Todd Meyer just texted us as well that the 
mindset for Jim Irsay and company, if they're in a range, and maybe even if they're not, in my mind, is to make Marvin Harrison Jr. a Colt. Now, whether the Colts are actually able to make that happen is a whole nother story. And again, we're simulating out, we're pressing the super sim button on Madden right now to be able to make these claims, observations, guesses for what would happen. But the larger need for the Colts at that point in time, for me, even if it is that Drake May emergency glass needs to be broken type of scenario for the Colts is to go get Marvin Harrison Jr. and have a number one wide receiver in this building. So I, that, that that's what I think will be our talking point by the time we get to next year's draft is where are the Colts in relation to Marvin Harrison Jr. coming to Indianapolis and what would they have to give up to be able to acquire him? I'd also like to include this in here with that sixth pick being a tight end. Look at how the tight end group played out this past draft like you have one go in the first round that was Dalton Kincaid and that was late and this was a deep tight end class a lot of the picks that were spent in the first round this year were at premium positions you were they were at defensive line defensive end cornerback wide receiver quarterback and if you're taking a tight end sixth overall that dude better have hall of fame (laughs) written all over him because you're spending a very very high pick on a non-premium position that isn't left tackle where is that is a question right now with bernard ryman is can he become that future left tackle cornerstone for anthony richardson and the colts and there's a pair of left tackles uh that are going to be in that range for the colts that have some uh pretty high remarks coming into the draft i can't remember the other one i think he's at penn state i think i forget his name that's one left tackle and then the other's at notre dame and if you know anything about notre dame football you know Uh they breed offensive line our guy Joe Walt. Gotta love Joe Walt right there. Great offensive lineman name. Unassuming, simple, direct, you know? Great old lineman name. But I hear you. If you look at Kyle Pitts, who was the fourth overall pick with the Falcons, you know, <laughs> you gotta have a top wide receiver in today's day and age. Like, legitimate top flight, number one, uh, arguably one of the top ten guys, especially for a young quarterback like Anthony Richardson. So, yeah, hey, look. This is way in the future. Maybe the Colts would be in position to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe they would try to trade up to get him if they were a little bit lower. Maybe they wouldn't make a deal with the Washington Commanders where the Commanders get a quarterback. I'm just saying, if that did play out, it leads to more jealousy. (laughs) Because there would be an even closer comparison between Anthony Richardson and Drake May if Washington traded up with the Colts to get Drake May. You couldn't help but compare those two guys going forward. They would be linked, but again, I think the only way that that is a move that happens is if you, and Colts fans would see this as well, which would ease the jealousy, you're having a solid year or a high-growth year that's like, all right, yeah, this is like what the Colts did last year getting Anthony Richardson. He's our guy for the future. I think that would offset some of that jealousy in a move like this where they are so confident in what they have. They're building around their quarterback versus trying to get a different one. Well, and a lot of it has to do with what do we see in 2023? What's most likely? Yes. If you play that out, Drake May is one of the top prospects who's still in college. He's in the ACC. He's probably going to have a fantastic season put up gaudy numbers they throw it around all over the place at North Carolina right that's most likely what's going to happen what's going to happen with Anthony Richardson well he's thrown under 400 passes in his college career so they're going to be a lot of bumps you know a lot you ever go through a neighborhood Jimmy and they have just a ridiculous amount of speed bumps yes and it's like what are we doing it's been 
20 feet and there's another speed bump here? Like, that's the way I think it's going to be with Richardson. Not saying he doesn't do anything special whatsoever from time to time, but I think there are going to be a lot of speed bumps. So that factors into how you would evaluate those two players if draft night 2024, Washington's trading up with the Colts. You probably saw Drake May play really well at North Carolina. Richardson take his bumps in his first year in Indianapolis. And yeah, that that would absolutely factor into how you feel about both those QBs. But it might not even come to that. I'm just saying that the mock draft made me think along those lines. If that were to play out, yeah, I think the jealousy factor, that is a great recipe for more jealousy that the commanders have a better quarterback going forward than the Colts do. Natural to be jealous. We talked about it yesterday, and the fan base can feel that way. But you would hope that jealousy alone is not impacting the front office. You would hope that they are making a real evaluation on both what they think Anthony Richardson can grow to, what they saw from him in his first year, and are mapping out what a guy like May could pan out to be if they were able to draft him in the first place. Who knows? Like you said, NFL, we talk about tanking. It's very hard to lose games. Sometimes you often walk yourself into a couple accidental wins like the Texans did last year. So it, it, it's hard to map it out on a number of different levels. You would hope the jealousy that was only amongst the, the fan base seeing a new shiny toy versus the front office believing in the guy they took last year. I still can't believe the Texans won that game at the end of the year <laughs> against the Colts. I had a bet on the Colts winning that game outright. That was just... Dirty. How about this, too? Lamar Jackson's uh, press conference is going on right now. He just signed his new contract with the Baltimore Ravens. There was a lot of talk about, hey, would the Colts maybe pursue Lamar Jackson? And it didn't happen. It's just, it's funny to see just the utter giddiness where Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh on the stage initially are just laughing like two old pals that, you know what I mean? It's just so weird where... You go through all the negotiations. It was a two-year process, and now they're just bosom buddies. Like, hey, bring it in here, Lamar. Come on, man, you big galoot. Gosh, I love you. It's funny to see that. Sports are one of the only things where you can get that. So much animosity, so much fighting within your camps from agents and PR reps and, and the whole nine. And then if you're able to finally get the deal done, yeah, it's, it's handshakes, it's hugs. Another round for the press that are here. How about it? Lamar's back. Yes. Yeah, it'll it'll change on a dime, particularly if you are a franchise-caliber quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Injury history is factored into what he's going to pan out to continue to be for the Ravens. But in terms of him being one of the best available quarterbacks this offseason, even though he had that <laughs> kind of booby trap with him of, hey, two first-round picks as well. Uh-huh. It, he's a valuable quarterback to have, and all the camaraderie is instantly back in Baltimore. You know, I'm going to ask one more question here because I'm banging this drum pretty hard right now, and I can feel Colts fans just like, say something positive. No, please, please. <laughs> say something upbeat. But here's the thing. Um, with Anthony Richardson, this is built on an if, okay? If he doesn't get off to a flying start year one, and he continues to struggle going forward. Which quarterbacks do you think the jealousy factor might be reasonably the highest with Jimmy is? Now play this out before I go any further. This is, what, not even a week removed from the NFL draft? So most fan bases are just like, this is the freaking guy. I love what they did. It's like a fantasy football draft. Everybody loves their draft. Mm -hmm. After 2017, we weren't sitting there as loudly saying, what are the Bears doing? They could have had Patrick Mahomes. 
What are they thinking right now? But give it a couple of years, and that's all you hear. You know. So with that in mind, with Richardson, let's say he struggles year one, continues to struggle going forward. Do you think reasonable jealousy would be Drake May? Would be Lamar Jackson? Would be another of the rookie quarterbacks like Will the Thrill Levis? Or I mean, really, if 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 underlined, bold, highlighted, if Richardson struggles for a while. Where do you think the jealousy goes primarily? Reasonable jealousy is the key terminology there. Reasonable jealousy for me is two seasons. If by two seasons you really don't think that this is the right boat to be on, then it starts to set in. So I'm simulating out two years to answer that question. Any of the rookies that were drafted around him having elite level success or close to it, like like a great sophomore season, like, you know, I know Trevor Lawrence had a great season last year, but it was something even half as good as that, whether it was Levis, whether it was Young, whether it was Stroud, Mm -hmm. a a reasonable amount of jealousy would be across the board because the organization said we didn't need to go make a trade to go get our guy. Well, if Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud pans out, maybe you could have done that. Maybe you missed out on a generational talent giving up an extra weapon to go ahead and go get him. Or if it's not that high and it's Levis, like if Levis is better than people think he's going to be, which again, I think you and I varying degrees. I think he could be a starter in this league, sure, but I, I don't see him in that same echelon of the top of the AFC. I see him closer into the the Ryan Tannehill at his height mm-hmm. in Tennessee, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, serviceable, fine, great arm, but you know, not much better than that. The jealousy with Levis would only occur for me if it's clear and obvious that he's a can't-miss slam dunk talent that they whiffed on. I get the sense of jealousy down the road. You know, I get that sense. And you said it right there. It could be a number of guys. It could be, hey, he didn't go all in and trade for Lamar Jackson. That I don't think I'm going to circle back and say that. No. But you never know. If Lamar, he's blessed with better health, you know, he's when healthy, he's put up numbers. He's had success. He has better receivers to throw to now. And OBJ and Zay Flowers, right? Like, he could do more work in the playoffs, and you could circle back and say, man, the Colts could have had that guy. You might be saying that. You could say, hey, the Colts should have done what the Panthers did and go all in, trade up to the top of the draft. You don't have to go from number nine to number one like Carolina. You go from number four to number one. That's what they should have done for fill in the blank. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. I get the sense that there will be, we should have done fill in the blank, but I don't know what that blank is going to be filled in with. That's that's my gut feeling here. Maybe I need more coffee. Maybe maybe maybe, maybe it's the optimist <laughs> in me, but that's not my gut feeling about it because I, I I think it's going to work out. I think when he is three years into this league, the Colts are going to be very confident and very pleased with what they have under center. All of this conversation hinges on the long term failures of Anthony Richardson because there will be jealousy at the start because fans are irrational. They start in week one and Will Levis, for example, wins two AFC rookie of the months and Anthony Richardson's thrown four picks. Yeah, there's going to be, you know, jealousy four picks in a game, I guess we'll say eight picks over the course of a three game span. Yeah, there's going to be immediate jealousy. But if in two years, Anthony Richardson's MVP candidate and Will Levis is you know, shaking hands with Bryce Young at the bottom of the AFC South, uh, then you're not going to be mad about it. You know, and that's the thing. I'll say this super fast is when you allow yourself to dream for a bit, 
Think about your guy, Patrick Mahomes. Now, we know Patrick Mahomes don't grow on trees. He's a very, very, very rare guy. Very rare talent. But year two, he was the MVP, Jimmy. Think about this. Throwing 50 touchdown passes. He's the MVP in the league. Like, Just imagine if one of these guys does that. I, I mean, I don't particularly see it. But to be fair, we didn't see that with Mahomes being that great that early. And so when you just stop and think, what could be, whether you think it's realistic or not, it has happened before. Just like booming success. I, I get why people want to dream. I totally understand. <laughs> I totally understand that. Um, to just uh, allow yourself to do that for a little bit. Coming up next, Jimmy, being reasonable about the injury bug. I think that should apply to me as well. You know, not so much injury, <laughs> it's a health bug. You know, be reasonable about my performance today. We'll do that with sports around the corner. I'm Brian No, he's Jimmy Cook. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Are you kidding me, Eddie Garrison? My goodness, Brian No and Jimmy Cook with you here on The Fan. A little raining blood from Slayer! I can't help it, Jimmy. I just, I feel the music and I have to yell like a crazy person over here. Vocal cords might be shot. I don't know. Four. It's bad down to a four. Down to huh? four now. I know. Yep. Yep. The rest on the voice. I'm, I know it was worth it, though, in, 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 your, in your heart, which is all that matters. Can't help myself. <laughs> Cannot help myself. You know, we'll talk more about the NBA playoffs here. I know you're locked into this, Jay Cook, all about it. Uh, how about Joel Embiid? He comes back, the MVP of the NBA this season. He comes back for game two. Did not go Philly's way. Exactly. No. Lost by 34 against the Boston Celtics. They lost by 34 in a game. Tatum scored seven points. <laughs> that's insane. But, and play 19 minutes. Yeah, that's right. And Joel Embiid, after the game, he's dealing with this knee injury. And, of course, he was asked about it, and he said, no excuses, I'm out here, so I'm good, is what he said. And it just made me think he's addressing it the right way because we just can't be reasonable about injuries. That We're never going to get the truth because we're crazy people when it comes to expecting players who are banged up to play as if they are not banged up. And that's why you get a player like Embiid, who's clearly affected. He's not close to 100% right now, saying, I'm out there, so I'm good. I'm not faulting him. I'm faulting us. In terms of just the way that we're, the way that modern media puts pressure on these athletes? The way we react. We react as if some of these players are totally healthy. Like, think about Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck got criticized heavily nationally and it's like he's dragging his spleen up and down the field like you got to be reasonable about what a guy is dealing with injury wise and far too often we just aren't yeah I mean it, it all I really don't want to open up that can of worms because it depends on which portion of Andrew Luck's career you're referencing in terms of the way he was drug if you mean what he was actually playing then yeah it, it was yeah. probably unfair criticism thrown his way at times and a lot of that was attributed to the lack of protection that he had up front but yes we're we're whether it's national pundits, whether it's us here on the Fan Midday Show, it's it's very easy to look at athletes as superhuman, immortal people that regardless of what type of ailments they may be dealing with, if they underperform, well, it's an excuse. You know, you yeah. should be able to drop 40 with 
just one leg to work with, right? Like it, it's 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 an irrational process of the pressure that we put on professional athletes. That being said, there's no criticism, but there is man, you wish Joel was healthy from me anyway. I'm not going to criticize him when he still had five blocks, including uh, meeting uh, Jalen Brown at the rim in, I think, the second or third quarter last night. Like I'm not going to fault him for giving it a go, but if that's the Joel Embiid you're going to be operating with right. in the same way that you're going to need Anthony Davis to dominate and get 30 a night for the Lakers to have a shot against the Warriors, mm-hmm. you're going to need James Harden to get you 30 a night in this series if Philadelphia is going to dethrone Boston or dethrone Boston in the East anyway. Step back for the beard yesterday, Jay Cook. Went for 45 in game one. He was sensational. He dropped 12 on two for 14 <laughs> shooting. Not, not great for the beard right there, but all I'm saying is let's just be reasonable. I agree with you. I That's mean, all. You, you, can't, you can't have it both ways where we're willing to, to praise athletes when they give it a go through an injury and then act like they were 100% when right. they don't perform at the level that you want. Right. No, I totally respect players for gutting it out, trying to get out there, being limited, but still giving it a go. I respect that. But I think it's irresponsible to act as if they're completely yeah. healthy when they're not. And we often do that. All right, coming up next, Brooks Cabina. What does he do? He covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. Do I break it to him that C.J. Stroud's going to be a dud? Should we do that coming up? <laughs> be delicate. Okay, I'll <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if Houston feels the same way about that as you do. Yeah, we'll see what happens here with Brooks coming up. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Hope you're having a good day. Let's uh, dive in here. Our guy Brooks Cabina covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. I believe in transparency here, Brooks. And uh, I hope you don't hate me initially, which, you know, I have that effect on people from time to time. But... I think C.J. Stroud's going to be a dud. I think he was surrounded by a who's who supporting cast at Ohio State. The Texans have nowhere near that initially. I think he's going to greatly struggle. What's the sense from Texans fans, at least in year one for C.J. Stroud? Well, you make an interesting point about what are his weapons going to be. I agree with you. The wide receiver core is questionable. Um, They tried to address that in later rounds by getting Tank Dell and Xavier Hutchinson from Houston and Iowa State. Obviously, those aren't guys that people were selecting in the first round. They got Robert Woods, an aging veteran who's coming off an ACL, a couple of bad years with the Titans. Uh, that reflected that, and John Mechie, we have no idea. They traded up in the second round last year, was coming off an ACL tear, and then battled leukemia last year. So, like, I totally agree. What are the people that he's going to be throwing to? Dalton Schultz, they signed. I have a lot of confidence in that pickup. I mean, he was he's, he's a security blanket that could really help out a rookie quarterback. But what I do know is that they've really shored up the offensive line in its best shape in the last 10 years for the Texans. you got both tackles figured out. Get the guard situation solidified. They drafted a center and or two that'll battle with the incumbent. I think they'll be pretty solid there to at least give them protection. You got Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary, and you know at least your run game's going to be pretty solid. So um, I, I, the pick is here. Like, yeah, all right, you can do, you can you can delve into. Oh, was he loaded with talent? But you know there are other supporting. Uh, there's supporting examples to that. You could also point out that Joe Burrows of the world who had, you know, they had Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Terrace Marshall uh, when they were, when Joe Burrow was playing at LSU, and I covered him there. So who who are you to know, right? This, this, This next year, the year after, that's how we get to see what Stroud is. What we do know is those were the two elite quarterbacks that were available, 
Um, there was, uh, from all the people that I've talked to, there was definitely a gap in um, a gap in uh, tiers between C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and then the rest. Um, the Texans needed a quarterback. You guys saw that last year with Davis Mills. They needed to address that position. They ended up getting their quarterback, and they also got their edge rusher by trading up. And they and we can talk more into it, but the context of this team is they need to win now. Brooks, there were reports that the Titans had looked up to trading to three to get Stroud because the overall, at least, national conversation was, okay, maybe the Texans aren't taking a quarterback. Did those rumblings of a division rival maybe trading up to three influence at all their decision to take Stroud, or was this pretty much their guy the entire process? Yeah, C.J. Stroud was, to my understanding, uh, someone that the Texans wanted throughout the draft process. I had no indication that they didn't like him, didn't like Bryce Young. It was just going to be a dependent on who was available. I think what it ended up happening is, is like with driving interest, you then have an opportunity, and that came up on the draft day. I remember the reports about the Titans being interested coming up a day or two before. Um, you know, that gives you the opportunity to then take. C.J. Stroud at two, knowing that there was going to be trade value at three, they still had to give up a lot to do it. Uh, but this is a team that needed a quarterback, had evaluated their quarterbacks. Uh, me and my beat partner, Jonathan Alexander, at the Houston Chronicle, we had heard in the days leading up to the draft and the week leading up to the draft, really, that the Texans were looking more into Stroud than they had at, at, than, than, than as, mu- as much as they had throughout uh, the process, if not more. So uh, they were clearly interested in Stroud, um, and that was the opportunity they took. Brooks, when you look at uh, the the power play move to go up there and get Will Anderson Jr., there are a lot of national people that love that move. They say, hey, you go up, you're aggressive, you get two of the top five prospects in this draft. Me personally, I don't like it at all. I think that C.J. Stroud's got to be surrounded by a lot more, and they traded a boatload to get Will Anderson Jr. Who cares what I say? What are the fans in Houston saying about that move? Do you have anybody saying, I, I just don't I don't like that move. you got to surround C.J. Stroud with more talent than go up there and get Will Anderson Jr. Well, of course, there, there are dissenters, and there's also those that are really excited. And I haven't done a poll of the 4 million people in Houston, but you know, <laughs> from what I can understand, from just uh, from my perspective and uh, you know, those who I've talked to and what's going on here, it's like you have, uh, you have to understand, here in Houston, the last couple of years, Opposing fan bases have outnumbered the Texans on several occasions. There are Texans fans who have gone into full-on dormancy uh, because of their apathy of a team that is just pretty dreadful on the field. I mean, in 21, it was a terrible product. In 22, it wasn't all that much better. Uh, So season ticket holders, which I think are the fans that hold the most clout in the city, uh, were already questioning whether they were going to renew. Well, in the time since hiring D'Amico Ryans, a former team captain, the, perhaps the number one coaching candidate in this cycle, uh, season ticket sales went as high as they have been in the past couple of years. Now they've drafted these two guys. They're continuing to go to double the amount of the percentage that they had after D'Amico was hired. The fan interest is back, and I think that secures a lot of what the McNair family, the ownership here, has wanted. Uh, that's the standard that they've kind of set from Nick Casario's end after firing three co- after firing two coaches in two years hiring his third uh Mc- the McNairs were more involved in the head coaching hiring process I know they weren't as much involved in the drafting process but knowing that you don't have a guarantee Nick Casario didn't have a guarantee of being around next year to one be in the position 
to draft a Caleb Williams or a, uh, a, a, a top offensive weapon to supply whatever you draft now, or that you would be even there, he would even be there to make that selection. You got to make your picks knowing what you have in front of you, which is the 23 season. So the pick Stroud, have an opportunity to go and get Will Anderson, who D'Amico Ryan's really, really liked. And you know from what he's done with the 49ers, what he can do with edge rushers. We've seen across the league, there are many different examples with a guy like Anderson, what he can do. The Texans have been really bad on the defensive front. Uh, they, they gave up the most rushing yards in team history last year. Uh, they have. Opposing quarterbacks have plenty of time in the pocket. They look very comfortable. This is a guy that can change that pretty pretty quickly. So uh, those were the factors behind it, and I think people realize that. But, again, I mean, time will tell. These, these are rookies. Um, they could end up not performing to their standard. They could be as bad this year as they were last year. The, the win total may not be there. Those are all things that come through. But it's a sensible decision given the context that it happened. Brooks Cabino with us, Texans beat writer for the Houston Chronicle. Brooks, was it a non-starter with that trade with the Cardinals for it to be the Cleveland Browns' first-round pick instead of the Texans? Uh, to my understanding, what it, this is is more like a replica. So the Texans betting on themselves here. If you have a record, then obviously you're picking earlier. To, re- to retain the Cleveland pick, that's more contention on there. So uh, I, from my understanding, that's, that's the pick that they wanted to, to surrender. Because in that regard, they're assuming that they're going to be able to be in control of how many wins they're going to have and not have to worry about the variables of another team? Correct. Okay, by by that same stance, and we've had these conversations, so I know it's somewhat silly, but every team in the South, save the Jaguars, is having the same discussion. Do you think it's going to be Stroud Week 1? Is there any debate about that in Houston? I would be extremely surprised if C.J. Stroud doesn't take the first snap for the reasons that we were talking about earlier about last year and the need for a quarterback. Davis Mills was given the best opportunity given the circumstances. I mean, he didn't have great weapons either, but they, had, they did more with less than they had in 21. Uh, Pep Hamilton was his quarterback coach the year before. He was his play caller that year. Um, and quite frankly, I mean, the, the quarterback scored six touchdowns for the other team and Davis Mills <laughs> threw three interceptions. So, like... They, they they knew they needed to go to in a different direction at quarterback uh, in the offseason. Um, it was not a favorable free agency market. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo got a huge contract with the Raiders. I mean, he's 31, pushing 32. How long will he play into that contract? So the Texans outbid by the Raiders in a situation where they can bring a guy from the 49ers that understands Bobby Sloak, who was you know, passing game coordinator in the 49ers. He's now first-time play caller for the Texans. Couldn't get Jimmy G, couldn't get others that were really going to be stable. So go into the quarterback market. So uh, Case Keenum, journeyman quarterback, that's who they have with Davis Mills. I expect they compete for a backup role. Uh, But, I mean, again, Bobby Slowick, first-time play caller, he's building an offense around the pieces he has, and you just got your biggest asset in C.J. Stroud. It would be very confusing um, if it were not Stroud from here on, planning for him to take that first snap on week one. What do you think, Brooks, is just a reasonable expectation for C.J. Stroud in his rookie season, just individually and team-wise, how he and the team fare? You know, it's an interesting question because you can take that in a lot of different directions. What does it look like statistically? What does it look like win-wise? What does it look like intangibly whenever you're talking about how he represents himself with his players and whatnot. Uh, what I would say to like reasonably expect for him is one, 
how is he adapting into uh, the pro-style system that the 49ers had run with Bobby Sloak? It's going to be a lot different than what he did at Ohio State. Um, I mean, even the 49ers, they don't go under center all that much, but they did. Does he look comfortable? Is he making on-time throws? What I would say is to expect, okay, so C.J. Stroud in college, his main asset was his accuracy. I mean, is that consistent in his first year in the NFL? Is he turning the ball over? He is, and that's a regression and not what you would want to expect. Is he on time with his throws? Does he look comfortable? Is he putting the Texans in position to push to move the ball downfield? The last couple of years, they ranked last in the NFL in average yards per drive. Are they improving in that? And is that because of CJ? Um, those would be best baseline expectations. Are they improving moving the ball? Is he still accurate? Is he improving the touchdown interception ratio that the Texans have had the last couple of years? I wouldn't say that's necessarily win to loss total base, but it would impact that because there's still a lot of needs the Texans have. But those are the things within C.J. Stroud's control, and uh, those would be the things that I would look for in him. In that same vein from the rookie class, when you look at Tank Dell, what are expectations going to be out of the wide receiver from Houston in year one? So um, for him – he can do two things for the Texans. He's obviously a guy that projects on the inside for the Texans. He also projects as a return specialist for them. So specific to the offense, this is a team that's rotated slot positions more than any other position. I can go into the long lineage that has been the Houston slot receiver, but uh, he's got quickness more than he does, you know, full end zone to end zone speed, which was showcased in his 40 time. But the Texans have lacked a lot of defensive attention on the inside that can open up for guys like they just signed in Robert Woods. Brandon Cooks last year had a down year, and a lot of that had to do with the organization of the offense with wide receivers and how they interacted with each other, how they were able to get open downfield. Tank Dell can do that. He may not have an impact. as I mean, I expect him to have an impact as a pass catcher, but his influence could be opening up for guys like Robert Woods, who going into the later parts of their career need a little more help getting separation and open, open, open spaces for him. So Tank Dell, I think, can be that influence. He's quick. I like him over the middle. He can, he can do a lot of things in many of the different zones. Um, and, and for John Mechie as well, a guy who also has inside-outside versatility, they can play off of each other. I think Dell's an interesting piece there. C.J. Stroud recommended the Texans pick him when I, as soon as they got to him. I don't know if it's the Texans listening to him or them agreeing with him, yeah. uh, but there's already a connection between the quarterback and that wide receiver, which is interesting. So uh, Dell is does fit a need for the Texans in the wide receiver group. Will he live up to that? We'll see. Obviously a mid to late round pick uh, that others cross whatever draft analyst you want to take a look at may have ranked a little bit higher, some a little bit around right where that is. Uh, but Dell can fulfill what the Texans haven't really had the last couple of years. Hey, Brooks, good stuff, man. Good talking some ball with you today. Hope you have a good rest of the day. Thank you, Brooks. Awesome. Anytime, guys. Thank you. There he is. Brooks Cabina covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. How shocking that C.J. Stroud would recommend a wide receiver. <laughs> okay, a couple things before we before we go down that path. First off, Brooks was great. It's he was al- great. It's, it's always nice to get the insight of those that are on the beat and get the perspective, especially when it's AFC South rivals. But going back to the Texans for just a second, mm-hmm. I just looked through it, and we'll go more in-depth when we get the epic schedule release party going on next Thursday. But I see six wins there. And that's me being generous. Wow. Looking, looking at the schedule, six? six wins I feel like they could grab. Woo. Why six? I, 
I, it was I can list them for you. I, they could beat the Falcons. They could beat the Colts potentially Ooh, twice. They're going to get wrecked by the I, Falcons I, again. I'm being generous. Okay, I, I, right. I'm not, I'm not, I, it could be worse than that. I, ever the optimist over here in this Is that chair. A home or a you know game, that. Man. Uh, the game against the Falcons. Yeah, it is on the road, so maybe maybe I should have factored that one in. I don't know. Oh. Anyway, again, I'm being generous. I'm trying to be as optimistic as possible. Are they beating the Bengals on the road? No. no are they are, are they going to beat? Hell yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> are they going to beat the Jets in New York? Not not if Aaron Rodgers has something to say about it. Most likely not. I'm, we know it's the NFL. Crazy stuff happens. Correct. Most can, likely not. Right. And that's yeah. why, even though it's a fun exercise, it's equally hard to do schedule simulations, which we'll do next week because I love doing it. Are they going to sweep like the Colts? Is that what you're saying? They're going to sweep the Colts here, Jimmy? Okay. I don't want to get caught into another potential uh, stake bet here. So I'm going to okay. ask you this in a better angle. Okay. When you look at who they're going to play next year, Mm-hmm. Would you be confident as a front office exec that, yeah, we traded away our pick because we feel like we're going to be able to dictate more what happens to us than the Browns? And I don't disagree that, yeah, the Browns will probably, I think the Browns will win more games than Houston next year. I feel pretty confident in that. So it would make more sense that the Cardinals were like, that's a non-starter. We want your pick. We think that Cleveland's going to be great. We want your pick. Versus Texans are like, no, take our pick. We're going to win eight games next year. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that rationale. If that's what it was by the Texans front office, I, I'm confused. So I, I'm trying to put this together here. I'm not being a jerk, but you see a decent season, better than most would expect. No, no, I, of- I think they're going to be horrific. But okay. I'm saying best case scenario, six wins. They traded that pick away, thinking we're going to be in control of what happens with that pick to Arizona. Okay, what are you in control of? Is six wins the best case scenario for you? Okay, fine. Then it turns into a, a I guess probably in the 10 to 12 range with that pick. If you're worse than that, which I think you and Eddie, as you look at these opponents closer, probably feel like I am being way too optimistic for them. If you're worse than that, what were you in control of? Like, Why, why would that be the reason you'd get rid of the pick? Well, I, I'm just making sure I understand what you're saying here. Correct. You know, okay, sure. so you're saying the trade up, from what eleven to three? Or was that no? It wasn't that far. That was the Titans where they were at eleven. They move up to get that number three overall pick Correct. to get Will Anderson Jr. Correct. So you're saying the Texans they're doing the math of hey where are they likely to finish this season because they know the Texans. I'm sorry, they would know that the Cardinals would have those picks that were packaged to them. That's that's what you're getting at. What I'm getting at is what Brooks said when I asked him. From the conversations he's had, was it a non-starter for Arizona to make that trade that they did with the Texans if it was any pick but the Texans' first rounder? Because they have Cleveland's next year. And he had said it was his understanding the Texans chose to trade away their pick because they were going to be in control of that of what happens to it. Right. To which I am looking at and laughing at Houston Uh if that's why they did it because what are you going to be in control of next year? Yeah. No, I hear you. You're not going to have this breakout 2023 season when C.J. Stroud's surrounded by, like, you and me in week seven. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Receiver. exactly. That, that's what uh, I'm going for, yes. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah, and that's the thing here, too, is what it made me think of, maybe Tank Dell, their third-round pick, maybe he's going to be a player for the Houston Texans. Who knows? Time will tell. But more times than not, when you go bargain shopping, you get what you pay for. More times than not, in the NFL draft... Certainly, there are outliers. If you look third round, there's Cooper Cup, 
There's Chris Godwin with the Tampa Bay Bucks. There are fifth rounders like Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill. There are outliers. Mm-hmm. But more times than not, when I hear all this, and you hear it a lot going into a draft, you know, just wait until the third round or the fourth round to get the wide receiver. Don't go with one of the top guys. More times than not, if you go to the Dollar Tree, you might pick up something that hey, it's okay in the short term, but don't expect that product to last. And more times than not, that's the way it works out. I'll give you a, another name. Valus Jones. Ring a bell at all? No, absolutely no, not. No. He was a third-round rookie last year with the Chicago Bears. They went bargain shopping, and he had seven catches last year. Okay? Barely got on the field. So, like, <laughs> we paint these rosy skies of, ooh, they got Tank Dell. And what? And what? Like, I mean, really, is he just going to hit the ground running as a third-round rookie with C.J. Stroud? Yeah, leave the door cracked. It's possible, but realistically, probably not. I'm just pushing back on the the bargain shopping. Hey, instead of getting a top prospect, just, you know, get Hendon Hooker at the end of the second round. It's yeah. Hey, man, maybe that pans out. Maybe that's the way to go. But way more times than not, when you go bargain shopping, it's not going to be the boom that you envision it being. Particularly if you're trying to build around a quarterback that you know, even if, like Brooks mentioned, his accuracy is what he was praised for. And even if that does translate highly to the NFL, I don't I don't care any of these rookie quarterbacks. They're one of the most accurate passers in a single season in NFL history. I'm still going to want to bring a real legitimate wide receiver weapon. And every one of these teams in the South, except for the Jaguars, it, it appears, needs a number one wide receiver. And if you're the Colts, we just had that conversation about Marvin Harrison Jr. I am just thanking the Texans from now until next year's draft because I think they're going to be so bad to the point that Dane's mock isn't going to be that far off. Arizona's going to have an opportunity probably with the second pick, which is where Houston's going to be, to take Marvin Harrison Jr. And had the Texans hung on to that pick, it would be a match made in heaven to bring Marvin Harrison Jr. back down there with C.J. Stroud. Gives Gives the Colts a massive favor in that regard if we're having this game of what's going to happen in 2024. If I look at what the Texans did from a Colts perspective, I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it because we've been through it. You know, with C.J. Stroud, he's had a who's who. He'll probably have five first-round wide receivers after next year's draft. That's what he had at Ohio State. I saw the McShay mock draft, and he's got a Buka going 21st overall, (laughs) a little bit higher than the Dane Brugler mock draft. But if Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a first-rounder, that's set in stone. And if Abuka goes in the first round, he will have had five first-round wide receivers during his two years at Ohio State. And you're just supposed to say, ah, let's get Tank Dell in the third round. Like, really? <laughs> really? And then you trade all of that draft capital to get Will Anderson Jr., who he might be a baller in the NFL. Maybe. But he doesn't play offense. And so from a Colts perspective, I love what the Texans did because I think they are drunk. I don't agree with it at all. I'm not and haven't been as critical on Stroud as you have, but I do acknowledge the gap in receivers that he's never going to even come close to that, regardless of where he would have ended up in the NFL and regardless of how many super sims we do, he's never going to have that kind of talent around him at this level. That being said, I still think he can be a good QB. My issue largely with the Texans and where I agree with you is it was one or the other for me. You had to either take Will Anderson Jr. or C.J. Stroud with that pick you had no business going and jumping back into the first round 
giving up what you gave up to Arizona, sacrificing your pick that is probably going to be a top two pick next year as well to go get a defensive player that even if he turns into Aaron Donald, if you missed on Stroud, it's not going to matter. And he's probably going to walk on you in three years or four (laughs) years after you've tagged him a couple of times. Well, I would just look at all the teams in the AFC South, Jimmy. Let's just play the if it doesn't work game. Okay? Okay. So if you look at the Texans, let's just say it doesn't work out with Anthony Richardson. That's not the greatest scenario. He's a top five pick. But they didn't trade up and trade a boatload to get the guy. If Will the Thrill Levis, you know, let's say he gets struck by lightning and he survives it, but it, it something happens with his, you know, his game on the field. You know, there's something that, you know, it, it can't possibly be because he doesn't pan out. Right, Jimmy? I mean, I, but let's just say, sure, sure. let's just say he doesn't work out. I mean, the Titans traded up in the second round. That's not near the price tag no. that the Texans paid to get C.J. Stroud, number two overall, and all those draft picks that they packaged to get Will Anderson Jr., number three overall. I'll put it this way. If one of those guys don't work out, the Texans have much a much deeper hole yeah. to dig themselves out of. So that's also good for the Colts. Well, there's not as much on the line. So, hey, we all love these bold moves when they make them. In, like, initially, we're like, wow, that's bold. If it doesn't work out, you're like, that was really, really stupid. And however you look at that, we can all agree, if it doesn't pan out for the Texans with the number two, number three pick, and C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr., respectively, they have a much deeper hole to climb out of. I totally agree with you, and if I am having a reset button for any of these teams, I don't think any of them will do this one year in, by the way, but if you wanted to hit a reset button in the 2024 draft because rookie quarterbacks struggle and because you're usually back in that same type of tippy top of the draft board the following season, the Colts have one and the Titans have one. The Texans don't have one until 2025. Unless they, you know, want to trade up next year and give it away because they, you know, feel like they're gonna win nine to ten games in twenty twenty four. So <laughs> they control like basically they control their own destiny here with yes. what giving the Arizona Cardinals their first round pick if next I'm, year. If I'm Arizona there's no there's no way. Like that might be what the Texans said. There's absolutely no way. If I'm Arizona and I know the type of player Will Anderson Jr. could have been and that's why I phrased the question I, the way I did. And, and who knows? Maybe the Texans didn't publicly say that. Maybe that's just from from Brooks sources, and that's fine. If I'm the Cardinals, it's a non-starter. I don't want the Browns pick. The Browns right. could very well contend yeah. to win the AFC next year. That, that's very possible if Deshaun Watson bounces back to what he was two or three seasons ago. Texans, which pick would you rather have? Would you rather right. bet that the Browns yeah. flop and win two games next year? <laughs> or would you rather take the Texans to do that? Exactly. If you're asking me who wins more games, Browns or Texans, I'm like, what's the limit I can bet on the Texans losing more games, right? Like, come on, man. That's, yeah, that's a no-brainer right there. All right, coming up next, can we not see the forest through the trees? I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. 
here on the fan. Uh, how's the voice? How's it? How's it going? Any better? Worse? Nasally? I'll get you back to a five, but I really think the Slayer, uh, Slayer? cost you. Brought me down a notch, huh? No, no. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. High what risk, were, high reward move. I understand. What were you talking about? A medicine ball? What was that, Jimmy? Yeah, you got to get a medicine ball. And, and those that have had, whether it's you're in broadcasting, whether you've just had a, a cold or you talk a lot for your work and it's you know, got into your throat and it's just affecting across the board what's going on. You got to get a medicine ball from Starbucks. Or if you just like some hot tea. Or if, you're, or if you like hot tea. That's true. But uh-huh. see, here's the issue. Here's the issue with that. And this is selfish in the broadcaster chair here. People start to use that because they just like tea, and then all of a sudden you need it most, and you got to go to like four different places to try to find it because it's out of stock because everybody likes to go to the medicine ball. But you can order it as a medicine ball, and if by chance they don't know what you're talking about, it's now on their menu as honey citrus mint tea. It's got a little bit of everything. Honey cinch, honey citrus mint mint tea. Yes. I can't talk. I, yep. I'm regressing. <laughs> <laughs> you might you might want to see if they have delivery. Maybe DoorDash can get there for you. <laughs> um okay i'll look into that honey citrus mint tea from yep. starbucks shout out to them okay i'll look into that maybe for uh you know i gotta get i gotta get up and going over here if you, you feel know? rough tomorrow morning i would yeah. recommend going to your local starbucks and hit grab it up yep. okay all right you know jimmy we've talked about this a bit but i think even more so now that we know which teams drafted which quarterbacks I think that we can't quite see the forest through the trees because we're still doing it. We're still comparing rookie quarterbacks to rookie quarterbacks. And although I'm going to be reasonable, okay, I'm not expecting uh, Anthony Richardson to be along with the league leaders in year one. Okay, let me stress, I'm going to be reasonable about this. I appreciate that refreshing change of pace. (laughs) Wait a minute. Hold on. Let it be known. If what, what, what is this? Where have I been unreasonable here, Jay Cook? Uh, I I don't know. The will thrill the, the will the thrill Levis has 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 taken a tough tough journey to this point. Where again, looking at what he's going to have to deal with his first year, I think that you should take patience with him as well. There needs to be an evil level playing field in terms of the patience for most of these rookie quarterbacks. Okay, fine. But the thing is, it's not about Levis versus Richardson or Stroud versus Levis or Hendon Hooker versus Bryce Young. That's all it's been. It's like you got to turn the page on all of that. I'm not expecting Richardson to be, you know, duking it out with Patrick Mahomes in year one. But that's what it's going to come down to in short order for all of these guys. It's not about rookies versus rookies. Uh, Take an example. Look at Trevor Lawrence. Do we just compare Trevor Lawrence to these AFC South quarterbacks? We compare Trevor Lawrence to the top guys. Like, is Trevor Lawrence, with what he's surrounded by, going to be enough to get by Mahomes and his team, Herbert and his team, uh, Burrow and his team, Allen and his Bill squad? Like, that's what it's going to come down to. So all I'm saying is this. Sometimes we spend a little bit too much time comparing rookie quarterbacks as if there's nothing else to compare. I mean, I'll give them some... Some runway here because it's year one. I'm not expecting a finished product, but don't kid yourself. It's ultimately ultimately going to come down to if these guys pan out, how do they stack up among the league leaders? It's just not rookie QB versus rookie QB. Right, and there's layers to it. They're always going to be rookie QB versus rookie QB to some extent because of what the AFC South just did 
in getting three of the four top quarterbacks off the board and them potentially facing off against one another twice a year for the next decade. Like that, yep. That's always going to be a part of it, but there is more to it. And that is why when we were having those rookie versus rookie conversations pre-draft and we looked at Anthony Richardson and I said, this is a quarterback where you're taking a big swing because if he hits his ceiling, he is in that conversation. He is going right. to be in this AFC arms race. And I didn't see it with what else was available for them at four. Could Stroud do it? Could Young do it? Sure. But the Colts chose door number two, which was we're going to wait and figure out what falls to us. And they chose the quarterback that in their mind is going to two, three years from now, take the leap that Trevor Lawrence did, which is a real threat in the AFC conversation as one of the top quarterbacks that the conference has to offer. Well, that's the thing is, let me be clear. I have no problem with rookie quarterbacks being compared with one another. That's fine. All I'm saying is it needs balance. It, it just doesn't end yeah. there. You know, like when you're drafting a quarterback, you're not only hoping that he's better than the other rookie quarterbacks, you're hoping, like you just said, he's one of the best in the entire league. So I think sometimes we're just we're talking about the trees right in front of us, which is the rookie draft class. And there's a whole NFL forest out there that we're not looking at with who stacks up with what. Like, how does Stroud stack up with all the other quarterbacks, not just his draft class? You know what I mean? And right. Again, I think we're not having those discussions because he hasn't thrown one NFL pass just yet. I'll stress, I'm not expecting a finished product. But you don't have that much time before we're saying, hey, how good are you compared to all the other starters in the NFL? And I think a lot of times we're kidding ourselves as if they have, what, like two, three years of runway? It doesn't work like that in the NFL. To that end, though, it can. There can be two years of runway. I mean, that that's a reasonable expectation for any quarterback. Just look at Trevor Lawrence from year one to year two. Again, I'm not yeah. saying that's the guaranteed growth path, but there is a little bit of cushion as long as you either A, believe in your franchise quarterback, or B, internally, see enough growth. Right. But you mentioned this earlier, and that's why, to your larger point, it's tough to have that conversation outside of the rookie QBs right now because they haven't taken a snap it almost puts you in a position where you're rushing your judgment on what the quarterback can be by instantly having the conversation of how do they compare against the rest of the quarterbacks in the conference right now, day one. Those are real week-to-week conversations that we're going to have as the season unfolds. But I think why we so often start with the rookies is because they have that common shared denominator, which is they've never thrown a pass in the NFL. They are going to likely go through all the same rookie growing pains that nearly every quarterback does. And if they don't, it's either because lightning struck or it's not really their rookie season. Like look at Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that it is a near perfect year like it was for him his initial year as a starter, going in right. and winning the MVP and making it to the AFC Championship game and being a D4 offsides away from making a Super Bowl in year one. I, I don't think that that happens in the way it did if he starts right away. All those decisions matter. And for Levis, Stroud, and Richardson, there's a strong chance the decision's going to be made. You're out there week one. What can you do for us? And how are you able to to give us a pathway for you where we can be having that larger conversation that Rodgers, Burrow, Lawrence, Mahomes, Allen, Levis, Richardson, Stroud, how do they get into that conversation? You need to super sim what we can't do, which is how are they actually going to look by the time week one arrives. Okay, now that makes sense. 
But there are multiple things that can make sense at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so look at it this way. Let's take the quarterback draft class from two years ago Mm -hmm. in 2021. Uh, Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback, is not just compared to the other first-round quarterbacks in his draft class. You know what I'm saying? He's compared to all the other guys across the NFL landscape. If you look at Mac Jones, another good example, he isn't just compared to Trey Lance. And it's like, man... uh, He's actually done better than Trey Lance has thus far. We're comparing Mac Jones to everybody else in the NFL. Yes. Like, that happens quicker than you think. And so that's all I'm saying with this current draft class in 23. We give it some time. The light bulb really didn't go on for Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, until year three. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. But you're kidding yourself if you think the comparisons between just the rookie draft class, those are consistently the same for the next two, three years. Like It's after year one more times than not that we're done comparing QBs to just their draft class, guys. We're comparing them to other dudes in the NFL that are starters. I'm just telling you, that's the way it's going to go for this draft class, too. No, you're right about that, and I'm not disagreeing with you. Heck, I've, I've already done it. Like Eddie gave me pushback on this, which he's, he's probably right. I'm probably being too aggressive with it, but I'm doing exactly what you're saying. Kenny Pickett, after year one, I don't see it. I, I'm not sold. Like I think he could be fine in Pittsburgh. He's not threatening any of the other teams in the AFC. Like I, I don't see it after year one. I'm, I'm no longer just looking at, and his class is tough, right? Because he was one of the, the main ones off the board there at, outside of Desmond Ritter a little bit later, but that is what's happened with Kenny Pickett in my mind. I'm looking at him now, broad picture, in year two, what am I simulating out for him? Is he finishing the year where it's like, man, that AFC North is an absolute gauntlet. Look at what Kenny Pickett did. No, I don't see that happening for him. Could very well be wrong, but that's where we're at. And into a similar sense, you're right. That is going to happen. But the separation between, and we're not doing this and you're not doing this, but the separation between knee-jerk reaction on undisputed or first take in week three because Anthony Richardson struggled and oh, yeah. he's ne- is wildly different than what you and I are talking about, which is how the conversational shift by the time the season actually ends. Yeah, well, look, we did at the beginning of the show, we were talking about the best and worst divisions with their quarterback situation in just 2023, you know? And we talked about Kenny Pickett. Like, Kenny Pickett wasn't just compared to Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis and all these other Mm -hmm. dudes in his draft class. He's compared to these other starting quarterbacks in the NFL. That's all. That's the way it's going to be for Stroud and Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Like, it's not just going to be them compared to them. It's going to be very, very quickly where did they stack up among everybody else in the NFL. So I think if it's only rookie v. rookie, I think that's just a small portion of the overall painting. Right. It'd be like looking at the Mona Lisa and we're just looking at the eyeballs. That's it. We're not looking at anything else. It's like, bro, there's a lot more in that painting than just the eyeballs, you know? Yeah, you, you can't get caught up in just the, the, the rookie aspect of it, Eddie. I think the only time we really look at it from rookie to rookie, though, is like I go back to the Mitchell Trubisky draft with Chicago. Sure. They passed on Mahomes. They passed on Watson. And then, yeah, that's when you get the rookie to rookie comparison because Chicago passed up on two franchise quarterbacks for a guy who's now a perennial backup for the rest of his career. And I in this situation, I think the only time we compare rookie to rookie when it comes to Anthony Richardson is you're going to be comparing him more to Will Levis and the quarterbacks that followed Richardson than you are C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young because those two quarterbacks were already off the board. No, that's totally fair. And yeah, you're right. Sometimes 
you still are compared to your draft class, maybe more times than not. But make no mistake, it, it never ends there for any of these guys. That's all I'm saying. But you're totally right, Eddie. Like, yeah, we'll always bring up Mahomes and Trubisky, uh, Trubisky and Deshaun Watson. That will always be a part of it with the 2017 draft. But it doesn't just end there. We're comparing Trubisky to, at the time, all the other NFC North quarterbacks, all the other NFC quarterbacks, all the starting quarterbacks, you know? That's the only thing I'm, I'm saying here. But yeah, you're right. Sometimes we still talk about them and their, their draft class. That doesn't always go away. For and sure. then to the Kenny Pickett portion of this that we were just talking about, like you look at the final, you look how he closed the year. The final five games that he started and finished, Pittsburgh went 5-0. and He had four touchdowns to one interception. Like, that is winning football. And I understand we get so caught up in fantasy football and big numbers and, you know, the quarterbacks that put up big numbers in fantasy football, that's what we look at. And if a guy's not putting up big numbers, then, oh, this guy's not a good quarterback. But in reality, in the NFL, they don't care about the numbers that you put up. As long as you're playing winning football, at the end of the day, that's what matters. And that's what Kenny Pickett did to close out his rookie campaign last year. And I think that's why Mike Tomlin is an and everyone there in Pittsburgh has to be optimistic about the second year leap for this guy because you go out, yes, Allen Robinson had a bad year last year with the Rams, but he's still a respectable wide receiver to add into the fold there. And you're hoping that the, uh, I think his name's like Matt Canada, I think is his mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. And if he's just somewhat remotely smart in terms of building an offense and calling plays, this Pittsburgh offense could be a top half portion of the offense just because of the talent they have around Kenny Pickett. He better hope so. He better hope so because Mike Tomlin, regrettably, and I love him. He's one of my favorite coaches in the NFL. He's too good for his own good. Because if Peck, if Pickett is not it and does not take a leap, they don't fall backwards into losing seasons. They don't have the luxury of Houston, for example, where if they struggle two or three, and I, I get it. I know the Steelers are a far more accomplished organization than the Texans, but bear with me for just a second. Houston is able to still have these situations where, oh, well, we had a really bad year, but hey, we're picking third. Maybe things will get better for us. With the Steelers, they have such a incredible culture with Coach Tomlin that they get to a point at the end of the year, back-to-back seasons now, where, hey, we're a playoff team with nine wins. Good job, Kenny. Oh, wait. We got Mahomes in the first round? <laughs> Travis Kelsey still at the height of his powers? Yeah. Josh, like, that, that that's what happens with them. So I hope that happens for Steelers right. fans and for Kenny Pickett. But if he's just serviceable or right. fine or, yeah. yes, he improved, it's not going to be good enough. That's what I'm saying. Like, before that wild card matchup, it's not just about you versus your draft class. Right. You know, it's you versus maybe one of the league-leading quarterbacks on the other side. You know, like, <laughs> that's that's what it ultimately is going to come down to. Hey, coming up next, will this show pique your interest at all? I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You interested, Jimmy, for the upcoming Bill Walton 30 for 30 debuts in June? It'll be a four-part series. You up for that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You are. Are you here for it? I'm up for it. 
yeah, I'll check it out. Um, you know, it's funny because how how many parts was the Derek Jeter doc? It was a lot. Maybe seven? Yes. Yeah. I was not fired up for that whatsoever. And it turned out to be a lot better than I thought it would be. It was pretty good. Did you watch that? Well, you had to. Obviously. I was over. I was over the moon for it. Yeah, watched yeah. It, watched it live every episode. You yeah. got a sports arousal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was a uh, for one of the most overrated players okay, ever. Okay, that's we don't have any time to really address <laughs> that one. But hey, um, no, I really enjoyed the captain. Yes, I did. It was it was wow. great. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, I give you credit because you just let that roll off right there. The little zinger about Jeter being if, overrated. If, if Eddie and I didn't know each other, then we would be going over this segment, but I understand he he enjoys pushing buttons every now and again. If you need oh. to know about that with confirmation, look uh-huh. at Dave Matthews Band making an appearance yesterday. Yeah, that's true. Know. That's true. He is a troll by nature. <laughs> you know, we love Eddie. How about this too? Your squad, the Chiefs, Jimmy. This is the most watched Super Bowl of all time. They redid the numbers. Nielsen made an adjustment. Makes it the most watched of all time, Super Bowl 57, as far as Super Bowls go. Get a better rating system. How about that? <laughs> what, what is this? We redid the numbers. Turns out it's the most viewed Super Bowl. What is that? It's wildly archaic in terms of the way that Nielsen is still collecting data, and they still have not found a picture-perfect way to be able to account for the way streaming is done <laughs> to the point that you have things like this happen. Like, honestly... If you're a fan, like that, it's a weird thing to flex about. I think if you're on the Eagles side, like you don't, you don't care at all, right? Like I, I like when the Chiefs lost to the Buccaneers a couple of years ago. Like that, yeah. I, I don't care. Like I don't care how highly viewed or highly watched it was. They lost the game, and I sure as heck don't care about the fact that ah, we had a recount on the viewership, and now it is the most watched Super Bowl of all time. Yeah, I, I saw that. I chuckled. The fact that it was even on the top headline section of ESPN also made me laugh for for a good while. Kind of like how we had what three hundred thousand people in Kansas City for the draft. Was that the number? I mean, but but that's at least like okay. You're you're taking a, a, a some way of estimating real people. This is oh they. I don't even know how. I know from the radio's perspective. I don't know how it works with TV. And this is really disappointing for my telecommunications minor. There was a class where we talked about this, where it's basically like you're either pressing a button or selecting what show you've watched during a certain time frame where they're taking the ratings. It's a very wildly old system with the way that they grab television ratings and the fact that you have a republished summary on it devalues it even further because there's people that don't understand like look look at me for example like I know of Nielsen there's people that have no idea and are like oh we can't even trust these numbers now anymore because they're trying to redraw the lines of what happened three months ago and here's the thing is this is a major problem that you have to iron out if you're like we haven't quite figured out how to be accurate about the streaming numbers. Do you yeah. realize how many people stream stuff these days? Millions. You're a cord cutter, right, Jimmy? Yes, like, I am. There are a lot of people that do that. That would be like, hey, here's a new car. We haven't quite worked out the bugs with the transmission, <laughs> though. It's like, dude, are you serious? you got to figure out the, trans- the, uh, the streaming numbers to have any accurate numbers whatsoever. That's a joke. I- I'm going to look into it later because I am fascinated by one aspect of this. The main reason you have ratings at all is because it's a billable offering when in contract negotiations with advertisers. If I am, I don't know, Dr. Pepper, LG, Apple, Starry, (laughs) (laughs) on the rise Starry, I'm, I'm looking at these redrawing of numbers or recalculation of numbers 
Where's the authenticity in it? I want more clarity if I am an advertising head that's going to invest billions of dollars to get 30 seconds of ad time. This is going to be like the last two-minute report in the NBA is the ratings, yes. right? Like, <laughs> I always screwed up. Actually, the ratings were better for Super Bowl 57. We lost an entire city in New York. We're sorry about that. Sorry. Uh, we're making good on that right now. <laughs> hey, our guy KB, Kevin Bowen, joins us to talk about a wide range of topics here. Colts related, some outside of it. We'll catch up with him. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Want to welcome in Kevin Bowen. You hear him in the mornings on The Fan. Kevin and Query. You know, I'm under the weather here, KB, as you probably could tell in about 2.5 seconds. What is your go-to as a radio host to make yourself sound better when you're sick? Boy, that, that's a great question. I've, um, I've dabbled with the tea and honey. Mm. Uh, I, I, I've been told if you put a, um, a shot or two of a dark liquor, that is probably the best way to go. Um, I've been told to avoid caffeine. But yeah, for the most part, I, I, maybe honey and like tea is a. Uh, I think it's more of a mental game. I think I sound better than I really am. But after I drink <laughs> some of it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm confident. But then you know, my voice cracks 20 minutes into the show, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> no, I like that. Now, uh, what played just before you came on? You were previewing tomorrow's show, and you were talking about having some derby picks. How big of a dirty a, a derby better are you, KB? How much do you get down with that? Yeah, it, it's certainly an annual uh, annual event to to dabble on. Um, obviously, last year, not a whole lot of winners with that upset coming down the stretch with Rich Strike. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a sucker for horse names, so the, the, that always kind of gets me. Um, the Practical Move, Angel of Empire are two names that kind of stand out. I don't like to bet the favorite. It sounds like Forte. At 3-1 to one is the way to go. Undefeated, uh, Todd Pletcher, I think, is a name that, that um, you know, is one of the more popular trainers out there. I, I just miss Baffert. I feel like Baffert is yeah, Belichick. Yeah, totally. And, and the sport is better when you have people that are just controversial. So I'm just disappointed we don't get to see his hair. <laughs> I miss that too. I, I completely miss that. I think that's a tremendous point by you. I want to bet. So I used to work in the Saratoga area, and some people consider that to be like the unofficial fourth leg of the Triple Crown, if you will. And so we would broadcast there on Fridays, KB, and I didn't know what I was doing. I'm just like blindly betting. And I'll never forget, my horse was nowhere to be found. I'm standing at the start-finish line, and this bolt of lightning, like the nine horse or whatever it was, and uh, John Velasquez was the jockey. And this drunk guy hit on it. He's like, Johnny! Johnny! And so we repeated that uh, for a a long, long time. But uh, I always think of my guy, Johnny V, right there. Yeah, you know, last year we had an indie tie with uh, Mo Donegal, 
um, part ownership from a great Eastside family named named the Kennys, and and Donegal was a great closer. Um, and if you remember correctly, uh, on last year's race, I, I don't think the name Rich Strike was mentioned more than maybe one time the entire race. And then all of a sudden, you get to be you know down the stretch they come, and out of nowhere comes this ninety to one long shot. So I do feel like we'll, we'll get money kind of spread out just based off of how last year went. Uh, but uh, hopefully we get it, it looks like we're gonna get great weather and hopefully it's a uh, it's a great race yeah my niece hit the exacta last year was very Ooh, jealous wow. paid, paid like four grand so it was <laughs> very uh it was it was it was a very uh envious but celebratory time uh in the in the cookhouse in our little little derby shebang so shout out to to shannon Loshke for uh for knocking that one down Gosh, I can only imagine what Shannon's derby party is going to look like here tomorrow. So. <laughs> You're right. I need her to need to push her to provide some extra Woodford for us. <laughs> yeah, come on now. Uncle Jimmy needs a little something. <laughs> KB, Kevin Bowen joining us here on The Fan. You know, KB, this goes back a couple of days ago, but Chris Ballard, Colts GM, he was talking about some of the negative reports about some of the quarterbacks in this draft class. And he said it's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of BS. He didn't think they should have to deal with that. I'm just curious what your takeaway was from Ballard's comments about that. Well, he, he was fired up about that. Um, yeah, I was actually texting him Thursday night about something totally different, and he just wanted to go down that path. So he clearly, it was something on his mind. I think you know him and C.J. Stroud had a pretty close relationship, I think, through this draft process. Um, I think he was disappointed that that stuff got leaked. Um, now, me personally, uh, I, I guess the leakage aspect of it is what Ballard really had an issue with. But let's not think for one second these NFL scouts don't absolutely just undress these players behind closed doors. I know that sounds really bad, but I mean that obviously from a scouting standpoint, and they, with a fine-tooth comb, go through everything and pick them apart. And you know, certainly Ballard is a huge believer, and that, that stays behind closed doors and you know he, he I, i'm guessing here but maybe he felt like that was you know those are teams that that leaked that info and hoping that cj stroud would drop and that's just not a game that he wants to play and mm-hmm. again as much as ballard and i thought the colts would be super secretive through this process which they were to be fair um again i i kind of got a hunch it'd be anthony richardson late in this process and you just go back a couple of fridays ago when Ballard didn't have that pre-draft presser. And at that time, six days before the draft, everything nationally was Will Levis. Um, and then all of a sudden, Ballard kind of went out of his way in that presser to say, right now everybody you know has this assumption that we're going to take one guy, blah, 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 and that's just not true. And I remember thinking after he finished that answer, like, he's talking about Will Levis. And now the question is, do I believe that or do I think it's a smokescreen? And now looking back on it six days later, once the draft happened, clearly it was a smokescreen. Or clearly he was telling the truth, I should say. And that it was not Will Levis that, you know, the Colts were zeroed in on, per se. You can say what you want about the man, but he's great at dancing. I could I could have placed a, a good bet there had I believed that he was telling the truth. I, I wasn't sure. I'm right there with you. I thought it was a potential smokescreen move. Kevin Bowen, nice enough to join us of Kevin and Query, and of course, Colts Insider for 1075 thefancom Kev, over under the month of December before Marvin Harrison Jr.'s name is publicly out of Jim Irsay's mouth during his uh, meet and greets with the press. <laughs> oh, oh. Under, under, man. Uh, yeah, is he doing a bye week presser? Whatever the bye week is. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be wild to watch how this year unfolds. And, and really, you know, obviously the Colts matter in that realm. But, like, how about Arizona? 
I mean, I don't think anybody thinks Arizona's going to be good this year. Kyler Murray's going to come back win from the ACL. So Kyler Murray's out for X amount of games. They also have Houston's pick. So if, you know, if you're looking at power rankings right now in the NFL, probably 31 and 32, if not very close to that, will be Houston and Arizona in some order. So we could be looking at Arizona having the first and second overall picks. Yep. From next April. And at that point, I get Kyler Murray's contract is through the roof, but how do you not just draft Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison and say, all right, here we go? <laughs> you know, because they do have a new GM this year. They do have a new head coach this year as well. Um, they drafted Paris Johnson, so they do have kind of that Tariq Glenn type of uh, guy in, in place. At least that's their hope, you know, similar to when the Colts drafted Manning a couple years after Tariq Glenn. So uh, I, I, I will be very, very curious to see which teams end up that high. Uh, because obviously if you are the Colts or you are the Texans, and again, the Texans don't have the first-round pick, but you know, let's say Will Levis has a decent rookie year, but for some reason Tennessee's record isn't very good. They're up that high. Um, you know, It's going to be really – does Carolina have like a 4-13 and year, but still Bryce Young looks like the guy? You know, How that unfolds with these quarterback prospects, do you see any teams fail on their young QB so early in that rookie contract? Um, yeah, inject 2024 mock drafts into my veins right now. <laughs> right, no doubt. Uh, KB, we were talking about at the beginning of the show, if you look at the divisions in the NFL and just from the, the starting quarterback perspective, for only 2023, we looked at the best QB division top to bottom, the worst QB division top to bottom. If we hone in on the worst, a lot of people would say it comes down to the AFC South and the NFC South. If you're looking at those two divisions, top to bottom, with three out of four rookies in the AFC South, probably getting a decent amount of snaps, how would you break the tie, or what argument would you make between the AFC or NFC South for having the worst quarterback situation top to bottom this year? Yeah, I'm going to give the AFC South the tiebreaker because at least it would be more entertaining. I mean, I've watched Derek Carr play quarterback for a decade. I'm good, you know. (laughs) He's a nice player, but like, I've been there, done that. I've watched Baker Mayfield play play quarterback. There, there are moments, but I'm good. You know, certainly I want to see Bryce Young, and you know there is some curiosity with the weapons that Desmond Ritter has. I mean, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London. That's that's quite the trio of a running back, wideout, and tight end. But I've made this, and I, I don't know it's probably a poor joke, but you know, whenever the NCAA tournament rolls around each year, I'm like, oh god, I got to find where True TV is in the TV guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I've. I've, I've always thought the AFC South should be the true TV division. Like, they should just put all their games on true TV. No longer do I think that. They are now an entertaining, a quarterback-driven uh, product. I don't know how for how long, but you don't have, you know, the, the Sage Rosenfelds of the world in Houston. You don't have the uh, Blaine Gabberts in the world in Jacksonville. And at some point, it seems like Tennessee will bail on Ryan Tannehill and go to Will Levis. And obviously here in Indianapolis, the aging carousel quarterbacks that they've had, that is over, or you would think will be over at some point. Uh, so I, I do, in all seriousness, think it is at least an entertaining division and one where Jacksonville's got a 20, 30-meter head start in uh, a 100-meter dash, and now Houston and Tennessee and Indy are kind of all towing that line at the same time. And just watching how all of that unfolds will be, I think, really fascinating. And certainly with Indy and Tennessee, you have that dynamic to where – the Colts got Anthony Richardson. It sounded like Tennessee had interest in Richardson, but Tennessee has gone at it and said, all right, you know, we'll get arguably the best offensive lineman in the draft and Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. And then they double back and, of course, get Levis. So, you know, just watching kind of those two 
franchises and, and how they react to it. The debate of, you know, should the Colts have traded above Houston to potentially try and get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? You know, all of those storylines uh, will at least provide a division that has been absolutely awful and ugly to watch, uh, provided with some entertainment. KB, we talked to Mike Chappell earlier in the week, and as you would expect from Chappell when, when he's done this as long as he has, the longest tenured riders cover the teams they moved here from Baltimore, it, rookie minicamp, it, it's old hat, right? I mean, it, wh- how much are you really going to gather from there? But but he did acknowledge there is a, a sense of uniqueness to this for the first time in a handful of years because of the fact that Anthony Richardson is the prized jewel of this class. For you tomorrow, what are you looking out for out there at rookie minicamp? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I don't know how much of it will be this weekend, which I guess is kind of a cop-out answer. You know, I am curious just what he looks like fundamentally. Um, not that I'm, like, you know, out there with a fine-tooth comb looking at his fundamentals, but clearly he's made some changes since the end of that season for, for Florida. We had his QB coach on, Will Hewlett, earlier this week. And I thought Hewlett was very honest. You know, typically, you know, or I should say at times, when you have those interviews, I was a little nervous about even suggesting the idea to Mark to, to get him on because I thought to myself, boy, that can just be PR spin you know, for, for, for 20 minutes. I thought he was pretty honest in describing some of the changes that were needed and, and they have gone through with Anthony Richardson. So my question, I guess, becomes, do those changes look robotic? You know, when Richardson is at his best, it's backyard football. And it's poise and it's him kind of just flashing the big arm. And obviously it's him moving out of the pocket. You, and you're not going to get him. You know, he's still going to be in a red jersey, so you're not going to get kind of a true running dynamic until – you, you throw them into the fire preseason or regular season. But I just think fundamentally, again, how robotic does it look? Um, you know, a lot of those zero to kind of nine-yard throws is where he had his most issue at Florida. So I think just watching kind of that part of the game for him, and I think at times we do a little bit overlook the, the spring. Yes, you don't put on full pads, and it still is early in an installation period. But once Richardson gets through this week – he will have 13 11-on-11 practices between now and mid-June. That's a big number. I mean, training camp is like 16 practices. I mean, that's almost training camp-like size. Now, again, you aren't wearing full pads. Um, you aren't necessarily ramping it up for the regular season. You don't have the joint practices. So it's not, I think, as big of a tell as training camp will be. But it's a lot of practices. And so, you know, does at any point, does Shane Steichen, you know, say, all right, you know, we're now eight OTAs in. Let's give Anthony a couple series with the starters. You know, those I think are going to be some of the things to to really watch for. KB, good stuff, man. I wish you a happy and healthy weekend and a profitable weekend as well with the Derby. So where are we going Derby-wise? I don't know, man. I, I haven't checked into it as closely as Jay Cook might have. I just know my limitations, KB. I suck at betting horses, so I don't bet horses that often, you know? Uh, I mean, show me the person that's good at betting humans or, or horses, and I will, you know, they, they have to be lying to you. Jimmy, where are we going? Are we going Forte, or can we go with an underdog? I think you can go with an underdog. I do also like to, as, as a safety net, this is basically the equivalent of, of hedging, is include the favorite in a couple exotics, right? So hoping that maybe you get like a 20 to 1 or a 30 to 1 up there. Um, I don't have my winner yet, but I will be playing something with confidence game, the five horse at, at 20 to 1. All right. Send me your niece's number. We'll talk. <laughs> That's right. I will. We'll I'll see, do that. See you, KB. See you, guys. There he is, Kevin Bowen. Mornings on the fan, Kevin and Query.
Yeah, how about your niece, Jay Cook? How big was the bet to walk away with 4K? 20 $20 and she won 4 4000 It was insane. I, I was like, you know, because sometimes I try to get in that numbers game, try to utilize that math, and sometimes it lets me down. So I'm there. I'm trying to think about it in my head because I've hit an exotic before. I've won like, you know, $400 on a on a exactor trifecta. I'm like, yeah, you'll probably be like, I don't know, 700 maybe maybe close to 1000 And it comes up four grand. I'm like, oh my goodness. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a, a celebration to say the least. Uh, for Shannon when she knocked in that uh, exact a bet. And, and again, I know we're kind of digressing here, but with those that know me, my, my, my late father had a box at Churchill Down for years, raced horses, uh, very, very, very special in general, whenever we're, we're watching the Derby or watching the, the road to the Triple Crown because it, it mattered so much to him. So it was very special in that regard too for his granddaughter to be able to not get a big bet like that. Very cool. I hope you enjoy it this weekend. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, I have, I shouldn't even be admitting this, I have somewhere in the neighborhood of like a $20 bet on my St. Louis Cardinals to win the NL Central. That's not off to a great start, Jimmy. (laughs) Pirates are crushing it. My Cardinals are trash so far. What are they, 10 and 21? Something like that. They're losing 10 to 2 already today to the Angels. They're a grease fire. Is there a built-in excuse there? In terms no, of, no, no, nothing? no. We'll make excuses. Their pitching is horrific, specifically the starting <laughs> pitching, and that's typically what they make their money on. Yeah, it's normally better. Need Carpenter back there. The <laughs> the ageless wonder. Like that's bad when you're talking about the forty-plus-year-old. We need that back, guy back. Yeah, yeah. we you need get we Wayne need, right. You get Wainwright back, right? Yeah, we need Wayne right back. I'm sorry, I screwed him up. I'm really sick right now. Good Lord. Chris Carpenter, he's been retired for how long, Eddie? Oh, boy. Close uh, to a decade? Yeah. I, I try to forget about him because, you know, as a Reds fan, the amount of times that Reds have lost to Chris Carpenter and Adam Wainwright, and as in former Reds that I hated watching because he always looked like a douche, uh, Kyle Loesch. <laughs> uh, who else am I forgetting in there? Kyle, uh, though, uh, you know, Miles Michaelis looks terrible. You, oh, yeah. It's, it, guy. He's got to get rid of that porn stash. Yeah, he does have to get rid of that over there. There was, I can't remember, um, there was, I don't want to get grim on you, but there was a Cardinals pitcher who died young. Um, and I can't remember who it was. You know, if you think of it, tell me. But I bring this up because he said one of the funniest things I've ever heard at a Major League Baseball game. I was over with the, it was in Chicago. So I was in the bleachers with the bleacher bums over there in Chicago as a Cardinals fan. And this pitcher, he looks up, he's getting heckled by this guy. This is before the game starts. They're just warming up. They're doing their thing. And uh, this Cubs fan is just, you suck. You're you're terrible. That sort of thing. Are you talking about uh, Daryl Kyle? I think it was Daryl Kyle. I think that's who it was. And uh, the pitcher looks up to the bleachers and goes, Hey, uh, did you play Little League? And the guy goes, Yeah. And, and the pitcher goes, Man, you must have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and the heckling fan just had nothing. He's like, Wait a minute. I heckle you. I don't have anything in response to you heckling me. Oh, it was tremendous. Top shelf. Oh, it's always tough when they punch back. You just don't don't know what to do if you're one of those fans that's always trying to get inside the head of an opposing player or even a player of your own. 
The other funny thing from that game, this is a long time ago. I think this is like Mark McGuire was still with the Cardinals as a player. It's a long time ago. There was this fan in the bleachers, and he had this cardboard cutout of Michael Jordan in his Bulls uniform. And it said, be like Mike. And he, (laughs) he put a St. Louis Cardinals ball cap on Jordan's head. And so you could imagine these Cubs fans, and this he's an idol in Chicago, right? Like It's like, be like Mike, and he had a St. Louis Cardinals <laughs> hat on. And they're like, you get rid of that right now! And just going nuts. And I'll never forget, the game ended, and that guy is just sitting there. He's like, I'm just going to wait. You know, I'm going to wait for the riffraff to get out of the stadium. Maybe they'll forget who I am, but I'll forget him just waiting it out and just biding his time until he left the stadium. That was hilarious. Oh, to my me. goodness. Yeah, I mean, you do something like that, you're probably better off to props to him to have the wherewithal to have a smart decision there, actually, to respond <laughs> to the dumb decision and uh, wait things out to let it clear out. He obviously wasn't drinking adult beverages then because <laughs> who knows if he would have made it out alive yeah. at that point. Yes. Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting what KB was talking about when it comes to Chris Ballard, where Chris Ballard made some comments about the negativity, negative reports, critical reports about some of the soon-to-be rookie quarterbacks, right? And so just we're all on the same page. This is what Ballard said after the first round. Check this out. I get frustrated. Now I'm going to go off on a sidebar here. All the, I almost said a bad word, all the crap that comes out about these kids it's crap like it's bull i'm sorry but it's bull like people that leak these stories these negative stories on kids i just don't i don't agree with it it's bull these guys work their ass off to get where they need to be and then all week you got to read and stories and ask all and then they got to answer questions on it so anyway not on anthony it's on some other kids in the draft that are good kids and i thought had to take a little bit of a beating that they shouldn't have had to take. Okay. So he might be talking about the S2 score that was reportedly low for C.J. Stroud. I, I don't know if he's alluding to the shirtless bathroom selfies yeah, of Will Levis. Can't, can't be talking about that one because that one wasn't a leak. That was a self-leak. That, that was done, done by the man himself. That's true. So we got to take that off. Can't be the mayo or the coffee because that was also self-inflicted action there by Will Levis. You're right about that. It wasn't hearsay with eating the banana no, with it was the full not. peel. <laughs> right. So you're right. This is most likely about C.J. Stroud's leaked S2 score. And KB said something really, really interesting. This might have been Ballard essentially saying, I'm not willing to muddy the waters this way in an effort to hopefully get a quarterback that drops because there are some negative reports out there. I think that's a really, really interesting angle. And I do think there's a part of that that's going on. The other thing where I would disagree with Ballard is... In a perfect world, that'd be great if there weren't these highly critical reports or, you know, all this stuff that a lot of these top guys have to deal with. But this isn't utopia. You know what I mean? This is the NFL. This is just like dipping your big toe in the waters of criticism of what's to come. A a starting quarterback's way in the NFL? This is how it always goes. So to really be like pounding the table and... How were we to say? Maybe C.J. Stroud's test score was that low. Maybe the BS reports were people saying, no, 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 it was higher. How do we know what's BS and not BS? So I just think that in terms of, I get it, you don't want to hear these players get dragged through the mud, but that's how it goes for any quarterback in the NFL, even soon-to-be draft picks. That's just, it comes with the territory. But his larger issue, which is, I guess where I disagree with you on this front, is with the 
maybe not even as much, just the, the leaking of it. Like, that's annoying, but you're right. He's never going to be able to stop that. That will always happen. Right. Everybody's always going to have an agenda. Where it gets out of control is when it's weaponized to the point that you, you take one test score, not, not you, but I saw it happen on NFL Network. I saw it happen on CBS Sports, anywhere you went in the lead up to the draft, where for weeks and weeks, the conversation was centered around Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, best of this class. They are going to go one, two. And then the score comes out and maybe Ballard is more upset. And I'm reading too much into this. But what I'm more upset about is not just the score, but then it's weaponized. And then it all of a sudden turns into a narrative versus a true aspect of the player's body of work to go ahead and intentionally drive down said value of the prospect. That's where I have the larger issue is when it becomes weaponized. Leaks will never be prevented, but what is done with that information after it gets out, uh, there's a line between doing your job as a sports media member and being a clown and being a jerk. Well, here's the thing. Let's take it the other way. You know, who was saying when it came to Bryce Young almost acing this thing? Or Will Levis reportedly scoring a 93%, which is very, very high. Who is saying, who cares? This is propaganda. This is an effort to prop these guys up and make them look better than they actually are. You know what I mean? Like, I would push back on this being quote-unquote weaponized. This is part of the evaluation process. There are 15 teams that lean heavily on S2 scores. They just factor it into the overall valuation. How quickly a player, especially depending on their position, how quickly they process information. And so if this leaks and Bryce Young and Will Levis are on the high side, I take that into account. If C.J. Stroud is on the low side, meaning the toilet of this conversation in terms of his test score, I'm sorry I'm going to take that into account. I don't think that's weaponized. I think that's just one of the many layers you consider in the evaluation process. I don't disagree with that, but there is a clear fine line with the territory that that story took on to the point that it absolutely was weaponized. You and I don't have the time to go back and look back at all the draft coverage because we talked about enough of it on our own. But by the time that that released to the extra week or or four days, whatever it was leading up to the draft, that became a major wall-to-wall aspect against C.J. Stroud. There there is a fine line between talking about it and taking into account, which is what front offices will do, and it being weaponized to the point to tank draft stock. Well, okay, fine. But do you think the teams that look at S2 scores, do you think that they just said, yeah, yeah, this is BS propaganda. They're weaponizing it. Or do you think those teams at least took it into account? No, I, I agree with you on that part. I, yeah. I, I think they did take it into account. I think that Ballard's larger issue is, A, if it was something that wasn't supposed to get out there, why did it? And that's something he's never going to be able to cure. In, mm-hmm. in, in, unless it's in-house for him because he's solved the Pandora's box of how to keep leaks out because we didn't know who they were going to take until minutes before the pick happened. But broad scale across the league, across the sports landscape, you're not going to be able to do it. The larger issue is when a player who has a near complete body of work for what he's going to be as a prospect, all of a sudden, a week later, it is the story that is drowning out the previous evaluation that you had on the guy to a point that, yes, could have been nefarious practices by other teams hoping that he would fall down. And I I do admire Chris Ballard for that, for saying that's not the way he wants to play. And He might not, and that's fine. But the thing I'm saying is, you always hear this, Jimmy, you're welcome to the NFL moment or welcome to the NBA moment, and all these players talk about that. 
And the draft for the top QB prospects in terms of criticism and negativity, that really is your welcome to the NFL moment. Because there's just a lot more of this to come. I mean, you could take any of these quarterbacks that you want and talk about it. Whether it, Let's talk Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is what, a four-time MVP? And think about some of the criticisms that go back to last season where they didn't make the playoffs and he's a diva and oh, here he goes again with the darkness retreat. And, right? Like, these quarterbacks are nitpicked left and right. And I understand that he doesn't like some of the critical reports that come out about soon-to-be draft picks. But I would just say, dude, just get buckle in. It's not like you're going to go north and all of a sudden be good. Like, all of a sudden things are optimistic and rosy. These quarterbacks, Dak Prescott losing a playoff game last season. Dak's been pretty good in the NFL. Raked over the freaking coals. Like, that's just how it goes. It comes with the territory. So I get his point. I understand it. He doesn't have to like it. But I think he went so far, it's as if he wants something to be the case when it's not realistically going to be the case at all. This isn't utopia. These guys are under the microscope to the nth degree. And that's the way it's always going to be. But there's no real competitive advantage when it happens week one and Skip Bayless is pounding a table yelling about how overrated Anthony Richardson is or overrated CJ Stroud is versus if it's done a week before the draft with the hope in mind that another team is able to scoop him up Mm -hmm. because said story went out like Ballard isn't saying we need to shield these poor children like that they can't handle it it is he's upset about the idea that another organization or multiple organizations would try to work in ways that would make said stock on the player fall so they could get him that's okay. a dirty side to this, and that's what he's upset about. Okay, but C.J. Stroud went number two. It's like, if even if this is a team putting it out there, and there were ulterior motives over here, Jimmy, it didn't work. He still sure. went number two overall. He didn't drop to thirty third like Levis. You know what I mean? Like he still went, went number two overall. So what if it was Levis who had the low score? Whoa! <laughs> I would take it into account. And I'm, again, I'm not is. disagreeing you with that. I, I, it deserves to be taken into account. But I, I think there is a variation of what is to be gained when it happens in this battle arena of the NFL draft versus if it's something that you have to handle because you're in a major market and you're struggling in your first five weeks as a pro. Like Those are two different aspects of handling the media. One impacts where you ultimately end up for a team. The other one is part of the NFL job. You need to be able to handle the scrutiny that comes your way. Well, I would love to know what the actual truth is, and I don't know that we're going to get that. I think that sometimes we want to rush to judgment and say this was a shady leaked test score from C.J. Stroud, and this is misinformation. And How do we know that's the case? I mean, really, how do you know that's the case? Put it this way. Do you think he aced it? Right? Or even if it wasn't 18%, do you think it's more likely than not it was a very low score? I think more likely than not it was very low. You know what I mean? So how do we know exactly what the propaganda and what the disinformation exactly is? We're taking estimated guesses on that too. We are. And in a similar vein, and this was mentioned by a couple people, I know we had Aaron Torres on a couple weeks ago, but the thought was that maybe Will Levis didn't deserve a first-round grade in the first place, and the only reason he got it was because he had a great agent and a great PR team, and it was being oversold throughout the entire process. Is that fair to Will Levis? No, but those are all speculation aspects that we're never going to know the answer on. Like Some of it, I agree with you, is life in the NFL, and you have to accept it, but where I tend to lean more Boward's way, your hands are never going to be completely clean 
in this business, it won't, particularly when you're running one of the most valuable franchises every NFL team is in terms of just value across the board in sports. You're not going to be able to be clean all the time and win, but you can have lines that you're not willing to cross. And I respect him for having his, and I also respect him going to bat for that aspect of these young athletes that really all they want on draft day, draft days, is to live out their dream of making it to the NFL. Yeah, hey, listen, man. There are so many layers to that. Uh, Think about Deshaun Watson comes to mind. There are some teams that were just not willing to trade for Deshaun Watson based on the allegations and all of that. That's fine. There were some teams that were willing to do that. So I hear you. It's a larger conversation of which teams are willing to, you know, bend ethics a little bit more than other teams are. I find it interesting. But what does my guy Aaron Torres know anyway, though, right, Jimmy? You know, <laughs> talking about Will Levis. Over. All right, coming up next, this is not ideal for college football. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I'll tell you what. We're pressed for time here, Jay Cook. We've got stuff to give away, Okay. Uh, So what we're going to do, we're going to table the college football discussion for tomorrow, mostly. I I won't leave you completely at the altar here. Like, But what what are you going to talk about? It isn't ideal to be playing college football playoff games next year head-to-head with the NFL. Okay? Like, (laughs) you'll be doing this head-to-head against the NFL. So we will dive into that a little bit more tomorrow, Jay Cook. But uh, let the people know how to get on in here if they want some Grand Prix tickets. Just like we've been doing all week, we got a pair of tickets to the GMR Grand Prix at IMS. That is next weekend. If you'd like a shot at a pair of tickets, you know the number, 317-239-1070. If you're trying to study up briefly in the next 30 seconds, it is Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. It'll be a Star Wars-related trivia question today for this pair of tickets to the GMR Grand Prix. Again, that's 317-239-1070 if you want a pair of tickets to next week's race. Now, how would you exactly bone up on Star Wars in the matter of a minute or two as you're trying to win these tickets? All you can really do is have seen them and not be in a moment where when you hit it right away with, oh, this is what the trivia is? Oh, I'm blanking. I'm totally blanking. Uh Your hope is that that's been alleviated now. They're like, okay, I can take a breath. I know what it's about. I'm not going to have just a total... You know, brain fart on the whole thing. If you have never seen them, eh, out of luck. You know what? Here's the thing. Uh, our guy, Eddie Garrison, who is known as the troll of the outfit over <laughs> here, you know, he is not opposed to trolling from time to time. But you know what? I'm going to agree with him. He said highly overrated. Now, here's the thing. People, it's a trigger word, overrated. I just think that there are a lot of Uber fans that make it out to be better than it actually is. I still think there are a lot of movies I've seen that are great. And I love them. Thumbs up. But when you're dressing like a stormtrooper or a Wookiee, or like, you know what I mean? Like that goes a little bit too far. A little bit too far, Jay Cook. What do you say about I, that? I, I'm not going to, while I have it, I'm not going to take a slash at the large conglomerate of people that like to go to cosplay events, to go to conventions. More power to you, regardless of what your cup of tea is, whether it's Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Harry Potter. 
doesn't really matter to me, so I'm not going to judge those people. I wouldn't do it, but I think you have those type of Uber fans with any one of these epic franchises uh, that I just listed off and then a couple that I didn't. What is your go-to movies-wise? Theme, franchise, what have you? What's at the top of your list? Probably Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars at yeah. the top? Yeah. Star Wars there, Marvel close second, and then I grew up on the Harry Potter books, so you know I have always enjoyed that. So are you possibly giving Eddie Garrison a Stone Cold Stunner when the show ends? Is that what's no, happening? No, no. Unfortunately, though, this one is not a troll job. I think he actually thinks it, which my heart breaks for him, but also it's a lot about the music industry that I don't have any idea about, and people always give you those sideways looks. I hate those sideways looks. I'm not going to give them to Eddie. I understand. That's what it is. Okay. We do have some callers, though. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get into the trivia here. We're All making right. dreams I, 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 happen. I, I, this is on you, Brian, though, yeah? in this aspect. What? Are we going softball like I was going to do, or do you want a difficult question for difficult, our Difficult. Highly difficult is what I want. You want a highly difficult. Yes. We're not just giving tickets away. You earn these tickets, you know? Oh, you can say, I earned these tickets. He asked me who, who the biggest villain was at, at you know, in episode six, and I said uh, Darth Vader and once. Like, that's a giveaway. We're, we're making you earn these tickets a little bit. All right. Okay. We're going we're gonna to make you earn them. Oh and uh, I will say to all of our callers, and if you still want to be a part of it, 317-239-1070, if you get it wrong, since we are pressed for time, if everybody misses this, it's going to be easy to the last man standing, the okay. easy question follow-up. Right. So yep. here we are. Let's start top to bottom. Big Glenn, what's going on? Doing great, man. How about you guys? I'm great. doing great. Doing great. All right. I am going to go my first Star Wars, which is the prequels. So just so you're prepared for that. Jar Jar Binks is a oh, noted terrible. panned oh. character oh. in Star Wars. He's widely hated for a large number of reasons. What species is Jar Jar Binks? Bang! Big Glenn out of the gate! Let's nice. go! Very Take good. care of the man, I, Eddie. I didn't even hear the answer. Let's go. Gungan. He said oh, Gungan. Okay, I heard okay. it clear as day. Tip of the cap to Big Glenn. Man, I thought, I thought for sure that That's might tough. get somebody... Because the, the softball was going to be, and it's a softball of all softballs, which is what is the name of the ship that Han Solo and oh. Chewbacca fly around in. And that, that was softball of all softballs. So. The Death Star, everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Eddie. So why did Eddie end up in South Bend? What happened there? What? He, he, yeah. he, he said the wrong answer on purpose. That's why I am throwing oh, him as, I was as you here on this label. You've you got a lot of a lot of stuff that you're balancing out. Uh, Jeff, Brad, Travis, and Jeff, thank you so much for participating. We'll have one more chance tomorrow for a pair of GMR Grand Prix tickets at IMS next weekend. Big Glenn, hang tight. Eddie will gather some information. And then next from week, we're giving away some uh, carb day and qualifications Let's tickets. Let's go. Okay. More trivia to come, but just a Star Wars variety today only. By the way, I will tell you, you ever see the, um, uh, like the, the snow skiers? I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but you know how they put the, like the foil in front of them to get more sun? Right. You know what I'm saying, Jim? Man, I, plenty of days baking at Indy, and I'm not complaining, with the bleachers just reflecting the sun. <laughs> but you got to love qualifying, man. Oh, you got to love carb day. You know, you, you work yes. on the tan. You work on the farmer's tan a little bit. Maybe you're a little red. What have you? If, there are always some bumps along the way. If the weather hasn't cooper, cooperated for you to that point in the month of May, that is where you're, you're working on the farmer's tenure. You're fine-tuning all of that for certain. Uh, but as always, you know, prepare for those elements to some extent. You don't need any... Uh, <laughs> you don't need heavily degreed burns when you're coming out of a, a fun event like Qualls and Carb Day. 
All right, Jay Cook, we've got your picks coming up. We also have some NBA playoff action to discuss. We'll do a little two and one right around the corner. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Very festive music. I like that. On the uh, 4th of May, may the 4th be with you. Some people get into Star Wars. It's great. It's great. But uh, it's energetic. Very uh, positive theme music right there. Good poll by Eddie Garrison. Um, How about this? Not a whole lot of positivity for the Warriors after game one. This is a crazy stat, Jimmy. The Warriors lost game one to the Lakers, but Golden State made 15 more Mm three-pointers than the Lakers and still lost. That is a sobering stat right there. Yeah, they were highlighting that a ton on Inside the NBA, both at halftime when the disparity was there and then ultimately when you got one of the... I'm pretty sure they tied their own record... I, I I don't want to misspeak on this, but they, they set some type of franchise record with the three-pointers that they hit. And it, I, again, I don't want to totally botch it, but it was such a positive night for them from beyond the arc, save Jordan Poole's 28-footer mm-hmm. that we, we, we had various discussions on yesterday that, yeah, if you're a Warriors fan, it gives you pause knowing that you might have had one of your best three-point shooting nights of the series as a team, and you're still down 1-0. Yeah. That's rough right there. They're going to let him fly, though. Warriors are just going to continue to keep chucking him from deep because they don't have the vantage inside. That's Team AD all day. So I think that they're going to play fast, and I think they're just going to let him fly from three, Jimmy. I would expect a heavy dose of that from Golden State throughout the series, especially in Game 2 at home tonight. Yeah, that has to be your recipe. A, a lot of staff, a lot of, a lot of screens to be able to get staff free and... In terms of what happens the rest of the way, yeah, you're going to need still nights like that from Jordan Poole, nights like that from Clay Thompson, and everything you can from Kevon Looney to to do his best. To, I mean, he still had what twenty rebounds, still twenty three, twenty three rebounds, still. Crazy. So I mean, yeah, you're, you're, and, and Andrew Wiggins was still working his tail off down the stretch. They had three straight bites of the apple on one possession late, and they missed three pointers. So I mean, like it's going to be a game of inches, like this series was projected to be the entirety of it going in, and I expect nothing different tonight. By the way, Anthony Davis's rebounding numbers for tonight, the line is at 14 and a half. That, that's, that's a lot of rebounds, but over might be the right play. And Kevon Looney that you just mentioned, Jimmy, he's at 13 and a half. Very high totals for both players, but I mean, listen, you've got a, a vacuum cleaner on the glass in Kevon Looney. That guy is... His anticipation and the way... For, it's always interesting to me, like the big-bodied dudes, how they still sort of like wiggle their way in and anticipate where the ball is going to be. And he's just first to the ball often. He, he is such a great rebounder. It's an art. It really is. Regardless of the matchup, whether you are undersized, whether you're the biggest guy there, you need to be able to still have a timing aspect of where the ball's going, seek it out, be the first to it. And yes, that's been the story of this playoffs so far for Kevon Looney. Okay, let's get to your picks, Jay Cook. Let's do it. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- 
way. This is how I went. Today's plays of the day. First in baseball, going to lay one and a half on the run line for the Toronto Blue Jays as they are in Boston against the Red Sox. Now for the lone NBA playoff game this evening, Lakers at Warriors taking over 26 and a half for Anthony Davis. That's at plus 105 right now on DraftKings. Going to take over 30 and a half for Steph Curry tonight for the Warriors. That's minus 120. And Brian gave it out just a second ago. Too enticing for me to pass on. Minus 135 is the juice. Give me over 13 and a half rebounds for Kevon Looney tonight. For yesterday, one in three puts the seven and seven on the week. A combo number feels good, though not where we want to be at mediocrity. No, not where you want to be, Jay Cook, but it's not, you know, quick math, four and ten or something like no, that, you no. know? So you can rally. Indeed. You can rally There's over time. here. Eddie? I've got three. Okay. I'm going against you. Uh-oh. Anthony Davis under Ooh. 26 and a half. Played 44 minutes in game one. He's not going to be able to sustain that kind of level of minutes as the series goes on. What do you along. know about the Brown? Only seven <laughs> points in the second half. Yep. They really switched up how they're going to play in that second half, and I think that's going to carry over here into game two because that's the way the Warriors will have to play in order to win, and they're going to throw double teams at Anthony Davis all game long and force the outside shooters to make shots, which is why I'm going with D'Angelo Russell over 15 and a half Ooh. points in this one. He's going to get some open looks beyond the arc and if they close out too hard, he'll go underneath. Floater game will be there. Quietly over this in five of seven playoff games thus far. The last one I've got, Andrew Wiggins over five and a half rebounds. They're like going that. to need him inside to help Kevon Looney and help the rebounding numbers against the Los Angeles Lakers. It's always interesting pulling for your rebounding prop bet. You know what I mean? There are a couple of guys that they do great jobs positioning themselves, anticipating, and then there are just random loose rebounds. You know what I mean? And whether you're on the over or the under on the loose rebounds, it can swing it in your favor or the other way. Could absolutely swing it. If you agree with Eddie's prognosis there, I would lay the six and a half for the Warriors. That's not my official pick, but if uh, you agree with Eddie's analysis on Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, lay the six and a half on Golden State. I would go that way too. I'm going to go first half over Warriors. They're going to play fast. They're going to score a lot. I'm going to take their team total over 60 and a half is what I'm looking for the Warriors tonight. I like that a lot as well. You might have to parlay them all together there, Jay Cook. I like that idea. All right. JMV coming up next. Have a good day. We'll catch you soon. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.